You're listening to the Clone Soccer Chronicles podcast, powered by Spidey Dash Dude and the Spidey Dash Dude Radio Network. Whoa, I don't think I even want to hear your story. All of you must hear the Scarlet Spider story. My name is Ben Riley. I'm related to this reality's Peter Parker. How? I'm his clone. Or maybe he's my clone. We're not sure. I'm the real Spider-Man. I don't know what kind of mind game this is, but I'm the real Spider-Man. The real Peter Parker. You see? I thought I was that clone. I tried to stay out of Peter's life by taking on a new identity. I dyed my hair, changed my name to Ben Riley. When I became a costume hero of the Scarlet Spider, it really made him angry. But the next big blow came from Dr. Kurt Connors. He discovered that, according to our genetic structures, it might be Peter who was the clone, not me. That news pushed Peter Parker over the edge. Now he hated me with a passion. This is starting to sound like a bad comic book plot. It gets worse. Why didn't you just tell me I was a clone? The cloning process has proven unstable. You're coming apart. Hey everybody, I'm Zach Joyner. It's been a while since we've been behind these microphones. I am uh, your friendly neighborhood host, of course, Zach Joyner. And uh, this episode, we're covering Grim Hunt and uh, the stuff related to it. <laughs> I am joined this episode by uh, my compadre. Stand- sitting right across from me right now is Mr. Gerard Delatour II. Yep. The roommate that you can't mention by name on certain shows. <laughs> this is going to become a thing. This is going to become a thing. <laughs> so, this episode, we're covering Grim Hunt. We are going to try to just, uh, we're not going to go into like the excruciatingly like detailed uh, synopsis of this episode. This won't be, I don't think it'll be a terribly long episode. We're covering, uh, we're going to talk about Soul of the Hunter. We're going to talk about one shot that was released called Origin of the Hunter, and then the uh, Grim Hunt Craven Saga handout, well as What If Grim Hunt. Part of the reason we're doing this episode is back when we were doing the covering the end of the um, Chris Yeo's Scarlet Spider title, you know, issues 23, uh, 21 through 23 uh, of that title, they we they had this confrontation between Kane and Craven, And so we're going to get into their history a little bit. We'll, we're not going to go into excruciating detail on the, on the backups of these books, but um, first, we're going to talk about a voicemail, or uh, not a voicemail, a email we got. The email address is clonesloggerchronicles.gmail.com. If you want to be on the show, we will read it out loud. Uh, and our voicemail line is 818-925-6631. That's 818-9-CLONE-1. Be sure to state where uh, you're from, what show you're calling about, and keep it within a three-minute time period because otherwise it will get cut off. If you do happen to get cut off, well... Feel free to call back. We'll uh, edit them all together. So, uh, Daniel Dordery, big fan of the show. Uh, he follows me on Facebook, follow, you know, follows me and uh, the Crawl Space as well. Uh, he wrote us an email. This is back in July of 2017, so we're kind of playing catch up. And he says, Greetings, CSC gang. I only started listening a few years ago, but I've quickly grown to love the show. When I was 10 years old, the 90s Clone Saga was where I started following Spider-Man titles on a regular monthly basis, starting with ASM 400. Regarding the episode Swarmed by Betty, I was really (laughs) struck by the unknown caller's voicemail message, even though it cut out at the end. 
Not to second guess what the original post point may have been, but the the fan theory that the original Spider-Man continuity ends with the final chapter and switches over to the MC2 universe really resonates with him. Over the years, he's heard variations of this discussion. Some fans believe the last appearance of the real Peter Parker is Sensational Spider-Man number 40, just before One More Day, while others believe the Spider-Man books ended for them right before Civil War. Going back to the headcanon notion that the Spider-Man's original continuity ended with Volume 1, I've always had this nagging feeling that Spider-Man never was the same after the Mackie Byrne remote. As much as he enjoyed the work of Jenkins and Straginski, even Humberto Ramos, I know Zach isn't a fan, but, I, but he likes him. <laughs> and despite the fact that he is still collecting ASM for completest reasons, there's always been a part of me that feels my Spider-Man ended with Volume 1 and everything from ASM Volume 2 onwards is an alternate timeline, especially after the events like Sins Past, One More Day, Brand New Day, Omit, etc. So what do you guys think? Is there a particular character or series t- com- in comics, TVs, or movies, etc. that you feel there was a line of demarcation? And if you don't count what happens or what comes after a certain point as an example the simpsons kind of ended for him around season 10 or 11 i, I think that's true of most people <laughs> and i'm looking forward to your next episode keep up the spectacular work dan oh, oh i see what he did there i understood that reference hmm so so you're saying uh shows or media of some different kinds that you after a certain point you think they kind of cut off right um oh dear uh the one that immediately jumps to mind for for somebody like me who watched a lot of tv in the 90s is the x-files uh, mm-hmm. The last two seasons of that, we pretend they didn't happen. I'm talking about the original series, not right. the not the reboot, not the reboot. Well, it's not so much a reboot it's as a, the original. It's, it's like the last two seasons didn't happen. Well, yeah, it's just more. No, they did happen. The, like, you know, what, one of the characters from the last two seasons actually showed up at one point. But the the point is, the last, um, once uh, uh, David Duchovny was no longer a regular, right. he vanished from the show. That's pretty much where it ended for me. I just pretended it didn't happen after that. You know, I, I haven't really, I haven't had this happen to me, but I know of other shows. I mean, I, like, uh, I know Greg, if he was on, he'd say Gargoyle Season 3 didn't happen. Oh, that's a good example, yeah. Um, I think most Gargoyles fans would say that, except when I'm, except for me, because I like to troll people with um, it. So I, I know that's a, that's a rather infamous example. Uh, shout out to our good friend Greg Wiseman, friend of the site. I, you know, it's one of those things where some people try to claim that uh, Unlimited and and the 90s show are the same continuity. Oh, some people? Uh, That's a lot. <laughs> um, but there's no, I mean, there's very clear, they're very clearly two different things. Yes. Um, if anything, you could honestly say that the, ni- the N64, uh, Spider-Man 64 slash uh, PS1 Spider-Man and mm-hmm. Inter Electro both were more in tune with with the unlimited simply because of the fact that Reno, Reno Romano was the same voice. True. But at least in the first, uh, in the 2000 game, uh, Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. Voiced Dr. Octopus like he did in Spider-Man, the animated series. True. But we never got Otto in unlimited. Well, we didn't get anything Spider-Man related and unlimited aside yeah, from we Spider-Man did. and Venom. The greatest single issue of, of all time was the inspiration of it. Scarlet Spider Unlimited number one. <laughs> I mean, come on. That's right. It's like, it's like Avia Rod was like, this is good. What? Hey, you, oh my God. I just remember. Remember that issue of uh, Web Spinner's Tales of Spider-Man yes. that introduces that costume? Yes. What the hell was that? That, that was also known as prison Oh, boy. Uh, well, I think Spider-Man continuity ended sometime in 2004. 
2004. I, oh, dude, I, uh, right, at, right when he joins the Avengers is about the point where I'm like, Neh. actually, you know what? I have a very, a very stark line of demarcation. Once Ezekiel dies yeah. and Spider-Man walks off, that's the end of Spider-Man. Yeah. <laughs> as far as 616. I mean, because that, right, that, that wasn't the next story since past. Uh, actually, I think next story was skin deep, and I think the one after that was since past. And see, I, I didn't, or, or I, I don't remember. I yeah. might have those flipped. No, no. You know what? I have those flipped around because the house burns down at the end of skin deep. So, of course, there are many examples uh, we, can, we can continue going into. and We can go at 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 nauseum uh, all night long, but uh, we'll uh, move on. So, uh, thanks again, Daniel. That's uh, gmail dot com. Chronicles at gmail dot com. All right, so we're going to talk a little bit about... Um, well, well, okay, if we're going to cover Grim Hunt, we need to do the background. So, so I say we start with Craven's Last Hunt okay. and Soul of the Hunter. Okay. Oh, how about that? All right, so uh, Craven's Last Hunt. Now, if you've not read this story, uh, go go find it. It's, it's one of those that it's been collected in trade paperback form, and the recent omnibus actually has, I believe, Soul of the Hunter with it. What? Yeah. So I, I'll, I'll have to double check that. But um, yeah, I uh, Gerard's, Gerard's looking it up now. Uh, one of them had Soul of the Hunter. So, I mean, there's omnibuses, there's trade paperbacks. There's, I mean, it's an excellent story, widely regarded as the greatest Spider-Man story of all time, um, not uh, outside of Amazing Fantasy 15. So Craven's Last Hunt, Craven confronts Spider-Man. Spider-Man just, got, just has gotten married to Mary Jane. They've gotten back from the honeymoon, and Craven attacks Spider-Man. He then kills Spider-Man, metaphorically speaking, buries Spider-Man alive, takes the black costume and start and wears it, and actually becomes Spider-Man. Uh, goes after Vermin, a, a character that uh, J.M.D. Mateus seems to love, and <laughs> has this weird ob- odd obsession with Vermin. Yeah, he's a character that he created for Captain America. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just, so he appeared in that story, which is referenced in Craven's Last Hunt. Yes. That's one of the reasons Craven haunts him. He appears in Craven's Last Hunt, and he appeared in The Child Within? Child, yes, and uh, The Death of Vermin. Uh, he, was a, he was a, there was a long-running sub, I mean, there was a, like a year-long-running subplot with Vermin. Coming he to was it. also in one of my favorite underrated Spider-Man stories. It was, what, three, four parts? It was called Shrieking? It was yes. an amazing Spider-Man right before the Clone Saga. Also written by... J.M.D. Mateus. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. By, by the way, uh, I just looked it up. Yeah, no, Soul of the Hunter is not in the... Uh, Damn it. Amazing Spider-Man Epic Collection, Craven's Last Hunt. It was the released Omnibus. last year. Not, not the Epic Collection. Wait, wait. They released this Epic Collection last year. You're telling me they did another one, too? I think they did an Omnibus that actually had it, too. Oh, good Lord. Cause they, okay, because the, uh, the Epic Collection has uh, ASM 289 through 294. Okay. Uh, annuals 20 and 21, Spider-Man versus Wolverine, uh, Peter Parker, Spectacular Spider-Man, 131 to 132, and the annual number 7, and Web of Spider-Man, 31, 32. Yeah. So, so the, uh, okay, so you got the six issues of Craven's Last Hunt, and it looks like you've got uh, the previous five issues, or four issues of Amazing, a couple of the, an- yeah, you have the wedding annual in there, that's kind of strange to throw into that one, but I guess it makes sense, because... Okay, I got, I get it because the marriage was part of the story. Yeah, that was the first story after. So they probably included the Amazing Spider-Man stuff that led up to the marriage, the wedding annual. Yes, you threw in, and uh, then also, um, but they threw in all that, but they didn't put Soul of the Hunter in there. Makes perfect sense. <laughs> why? Why do they hate Soul of the Hunter? I, you know what I think it is. I legitimately think that these people don't remember the story exists. Right, which is very odd. Yeah. <sighs> 
You know, it's only twenty seven nineteen on Amazon. That's not bad. I think I'm actually going to order that right now because I don't have a copy of Craven's Last Hunt anymore. And the one I had, the pages were falling out. So, uh, but look at, look up the omnibus before you before you do that because I'm almost positive. Look up Cra- uh, Craven's Last Hunt omnibus. Okay. And I'm almost positive that it had it in there because I I, rem- I I distinctly remember commenting on that. There is no omnibus. I thought there was an omnibus coming. Damn it. Okay. Well, you wrong. thought wrong. All right. So, uh, Jamie D. Mateus, Mike, Zach, Bob McLeod, the original team that did Craven's Last Hunt. Uh, oh, I didn't finish what I was saying. So, uh, Peter gets killed by Craven. They have the funeral. Craven becomes Spider Man, takes on Vermin, and uh, defeats Vermin. Then uh, Peter crawls out from beyond the grave in one of the most iconic splash pages of all time. And takes on Craven, goes and visits Mary Jane, takes on Craven, um, and defeats Craven. And Craven then goes into his family estate and shoots himself and kills himself. Now, Peter was buried, and then alongside Peter, Peter's not grave is Craven's grave, and he is buried and dead. So we go to Amazing Spider-Man, Soul of the Hunter, J.M.D. Mateus, Mike Zek, Bob McCloud, um... This was published in 1992 as a follow-up. Um, so it opens with, uh, you know, here lies Sergei Kravenov, Craven the Hunter. He died with honor. The, the infamous tombstone. Peter's at a funeral. It's for the uh, it's for the uh, par- the mother of his fr- uh, one of his uh, graduate student friends. Okay, yeah, it was a graduate student, and um, I think this was during the yeah. I think this was published in 1992. Yeah, 92. So then Peter's kind of rolling around, and he keeps having like flashbacks to um, the uh, the Craven the Hunter situation. So then Peter has this really trippy dream where he's back in the black costume, and all of a sudden, um, you know, he's like, "I hate you know, I hate you, Craven, I hate you," and then all of a sudden, boom, Craven's uh, ghost appears through a whole sequence of events. Yeah, so this is like a hallucination type thing. He's like, lies, lies, my life was lies. And then he's like, uh, basically, um, he gets he gets told that, you know, he needs he needs to ask, since Craven committed suicide, he his soul will never be at peace. Uh, and, like, Peter wakes up, he's out of bed, he's hallucinating... And he goes to the Cravenoff estate, and the <laughs> the tombstone's been knocked over, just like it was in his um, nightmare. Nightmare. So um, then Craven the Hunter comes up out of the grave in a really great splash page. Um, and I'm not going to do this very much justice, but basically Peter's having to confront the fact that you know he was buried alive, and he you know he chooses life, and he actually he tell you know basically he forgives he forgives Craven. He chooses you know Peter continues to choose life. He and uh, and he basically frees Craven's spirit, and Craven gets to go to the afterlife. You know he talks about the spirit world and things like that. And uh, then it says at the very you know in the very back of the of the book of the of the graphic novel it says here lies Sergey Kravenov Craven the Hunter free at last mm-hmm. so I mean 
it, uh, it, to me, the story is such an essential companion to yes. Craven's Last Hunt that it baffles me to this day that it has never once been reprinted, to my knowledge. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things that uh, I remember... Th- I first time I heard about it was the Spider-Man 30th anniversary set of cards because mm-hmm. they actually were, they had one that actually had talked about Soul of the Hunter. Yeah, because it would have been new at the time because that was also in '92. Uh, so uh, you know, I I remember I've just never had the chance to read this story and I read it and I thought, man, that this and that's why we recorded this once and we it's kind of gotten lost to the ether, but. We had gone into a very um, big discussion about the fact that it negates Soul of the Hunter. And so then we get to the Grim Hunt. Uh, It was ASM 634 through 637. All right. So we get to uh, Grim Hunt, the Craven Saga. So the the Gauntlet was a storyline that started in the. um, after the first full year of post. of the brand new day, the calendar year. Mm-hmm. After the first 36 or so issues, this was the storyline that was building uh, up for the summer storyline because you had, um, you know, the, the all of Peter's classic villains were being either brought back, re-debuted in some form or fashion, like the Mysterioso story where they brought back Quentin Beck for reasons. Um, that was a Dan Slott story. Of course it was. Uh, the, the the one that I was actually, I remember being good, which was the Rhino story with where we met his wife and um, how he was trying to get out of the game. Um, so those type of stories were building up. And in the background, um, and one of the characters that was introduced during Brand New Day was Anna Craven and Craven's mom, or Craven's wife. Sasha. Sasha. And... So those characters were introduced during Brand New Day, and we get um, them slowly building up. And there were certain characters that were introduced, introduced in that very first three to four months of Brand New Day that were paying off those stories later. Character assassination had the Menace storyline. Um, it also had the Spider Tracer Killer was being paid off during that time. Um, you can't forget about the, the greatest tease of Brand New Day, which is the identity of Jackpot. Yes. That was satisfyingly concluded at some point. Nope. <laughs> uh, LOL. Uh, that was a first minute story, too. Um, and then we had the lizard eating and re- eating people and eating his son and raping and killing people. Um, they claim none of that happened, by the way. It's our sick minds that imagined all of this. Oh, d- dude, a lot of people thought that. Okay, we weren't <laughs> the only ones. We were just the only ones vocal enough to point it out that the guy was lit. I mean... The way the story was written, he was trying to, you know, procreate with a female mm-hmm. who was then terrified because he's turning into a giant lizard man. It's a reference to Jackal Man. Yeah. For 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 those that don't know. Uh, so, I mean, come on. It was a ridiculous storyline. And one of the most ridiculous moments of that storyline, and I'm going to start pounding the desk because <laughs> I'm mad about it. Oh, my God. You're going to turn into Alex Jones. So... A globalist conspiracy. Um, <laughs> no, I literally, I remember being completely and utterly pissed the bleep off at the fact that Kane was running from a twelve-year-old girl like a little bitch. Wait, that was in Shed. That was in the that, that was on the backup of Shed Part Three. Oh my god! Yeah. Oh my god. So not only was I pissed off at the whole notion that Kurt would eat his son. <laughs> I was pissed off at the fact that Craven, or a little Anna Craven, 
was hunting Kane, and Kane, who I don't know, snapped Otto Octavius's fucking neck like a boss. Mm-hmm. Runs away from a twelve-year-old girl. <laughs> what, the, what the flying fuck? Yeah, and it it never worked for Kane, and and, no. and we'll get to things that don't work for Kane in the Grim Hunt. So so then we get uh, this free handout, the Grim Hunt Craven Saga. We get these backup stories. Um, I wouldn't even call it backup stories. That's the one that reprints uh, uh, kind of the tail end of Anna Craven's first appearance, right? Yeah. And then you just get some, uh, basically what would be the back of a trade paperback extras with some sketchbook stuff. and Yeah, so basically there was a, there was a um, it was a backup during during the Shed story, like I think it was the last uh, actually issue of Shed, where Peter's imagining all these gauntlets and all, you know, and we get the lizard and Mysterio and the, and the, <sighs> the face tattoo Electro and the, and the, Bird vomit vulture and oh yeah, that's right. Uh, diaper awk was during this period of time. Um, that was ASM six hundred, and then all of a sudden we get this splash page of Ben Riley Spider Man, mm-hmm. um, Spider Woman, Maddie Franklin, Iron Spider, um, Aranya Girl, Ezekiel, Anti Venom, and then Craven, and then we get a lion. Roaring for reasons. And uh, then Madam Web's like, no! Because Maddie Franklin and Madam Web are, are tied up. And uh, basically, Anna Craven and uh, Chameleon and Sasha are all in the room. And they keep torturing Madam Web. And the Grim Hunt starts an, an amazing Spider-Man 634. And then they have the sketchbook. Where they kind of give a history of the Cravenoff family and... Yeah. Uh, let me put it to you this way. I didn't go through this with a fine-tooth comb. I'm willing to suspect there are a few continuity errors in their retelling of this they, story. They even included uh, the Aliasha Git Craven. Well, that's the last time we saw him before this story, right? Um, okay, so I'll, I'll read to you what it says. <clears throat> All right, Calypso drugged Aliasha and Spider-Man, forcing them to combat as mindless savages. Although the battle seemingly ended with a truce uh, by all involved, Aliasha later killed Calypso and all her tribesmen. Those are in uh, issues of Spectacular written by uh, J.M.D. Mateus. Later, Al, quote-unquote, shifted to a more suave and peaceful personality, intent on helping his girlfriend, Timber Hughes, succeed in Hollywood. The attempt ended tragically with Timber raped and Al beaten. Ugh. And a plot orchestrated by his half-brother, Ned. The chameleon killed Ned. Uh, while Al, att- Al attempted to be a superhero, he was tricked by the stranger posing as the Beyonder to challenge on a new battle world. That was on the uh, uh, Beyond miniseries. Right. Uh, however, a bad batch of jungle portions ter- returned Aliasha to a tyrant state, obsessed with gathering a, uh, a group of man- animalistic supervillains until he fled from the Punisher. Oh, yeah. You know what? You know what's funny? I read those issues of the Punisher, and I it was... Uh... It was around Civil War that new series had started and then continued. I forgot all about that that story, and I've read it. Mr. Sinister created a clone of Craven, possessing all the powers of the original X-Men to be his mutant hunter and obtain more mutant DNA. Calling him calling himself Zaven, the clone X-Raven. X-Raven. 
Zraven. Zraven. Did you assume their gender? Yeah, I did. The clone attacks Spider-Man the X-Men before turning on his creator, unwilling to be anyone's servant. Anna Kravenoff, vicious teenage girl claiming to be another child of Sergei, called herself Craven and began hunting for Spider-Man. Hold on, they just call her a teenager? I guess she's not 12 years old then. Yeah. Mistaking Peter Parker's roommate, Vin Gonzalez, for Spider-Man, Anna kidnapped Vin and destroyed his finances and reputation. Yeah, this is during uh, Brand New Day. It's yep. the first appearance that she made. No, no, noticing Vin's lack of superhuman powers, Anna administered MGH drugs to give herself a challenge while she toyed with her prey. With Vermin complicating the rescue, Spider-Man, dressed as Daredevil, saved Vin, but Anna fled to her mother, Sasha. After capturing Madame Web, Anna and Sasha have been recruiting villains, including Chameleon and Electro, to join forces against their common foe, Spider-Man. So that's where, more or less, has been going on. All these have been being recruited. And uh, then they include the wonderful uh, Craven the Hunter um, history with um based off of the um Spider-Man encyclopedia encyclopedia right um and go from there so that's that's the uh Craven Saga Grim Hunt which more or less provides a nice little background to right if you know nothing about Craven this is a good this is a good companion piece no it isn't if if you if you know nothing about Craven read some Craven stories yeah if you hadn't been re- reading brand new day Oh, that dear. That would be a good substitute. Oh, dear. Yeah. Because then we get into the origin of the Hunter one shot that was $3.99. Was, this bef- was that published before or after Grim Hunt? Yes. You did, you, what? I think it was published before. Oh. <laughs> I, I said, was it published before or after? And you answered yes. I was being facetious. I know, but you had a so, straight look on it. Framing sequences writer Mark Guggenheim, artist Mike Mayhew, and then Amazing Spider Man 15 and 34. Loose Ends is then done by Phil Jimenez. Ba- so, basically, uh, uh, Anna Craven finds Craven's diary. Yes, and uh, it leads into reprints of ASM fifteen and thirty four. Yes, but the ASM thirty four reprint has an asterisk next to it because they pulled a dirty trick and added two new pages to it. Yeah, for reasons. Um, it was to it was to throw in a bunch of crap about him uh, expositing how he needs to, I gosh. how he needs to become. I read that an hour ago, and I've already wiped it. From yeah, my so basically, he's talking about how uh, he, he it's trying to set up Craven's last hunt back in the Dick Lee Ditko era, which is weird. Yeah, um, via retcons, which is just filth. Yeah, I mean, never do that. Yeah, that's just crap. And then we get more Mike Mike Mayhew sequences where uh, we get the jackpot and menace, and you know that was right before the. Um, yeah, Anna's watching them because she mentions yeah. that uh, in the journal it said you got to watch, you got to study your prey or whatever it is. Yeah, and then in loose ends, seemingly late Craven's twelve-year-old daughter stalks Spider-Man, forcing him to his home. His apartment is alter ego Peter Parker and roommate Vin Gonzalez. Right, it, that's not even new. That's just a reprint of uh, some of the stuff we had just covered in that uh, Craven saga of one shot. Yeah, so it basically, basically was the aftermath of of when Vin after he was rescued and stuff. Right, so it's just it, yeah. Anyway, we're not going to give grades on that other than probably D's. Um, all right, <laughs> you so, know what? I'll give that Craven uh, Grim Hunt saga, whatever it was. I'll give that a C because at least it tried to recap a bunch of crap that they uh, on the yeah. assumption that people weren't reading it. That's the, fine. I'm okay with recap books. Uh, and then we'll get, they're free. We'll, we'll do what if last. So yeah, let's uh, let's go into the um, the meat. The meat of the episode. We, we say over 40 minutes into this recording. <laughs> Got a feeling it's going to be two hours. 
Nah, it won't be. Most of that's going to get cut out, I think. Uh, okay, so we're going to talk about uh, the four issues of Grim Hunt now. It started in ASM 634 and ran through uh, ASM 637. We have to mention um, all four of these issues had uh, backups by uh, J.M.D. Mateus and uh, Max Fiumaro, which are basically oh. uh, like a retconned in back uh, basically, encounter between Craven the Hunter and Kane. Yes. Which seems to exist solely to pay off one reference to that in in Grim Hunt. Yeah, like 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 because here's the thing. I mean, Craven shouldn't know who Kane is, right? Craven as a character was killed off before Kane even existed. Well, before in fact, Kane killed. We talked about this way back in the beginning of this show. I mean, Kane killed. Um, Vladimir, Craven. Vladimir, yeah. I mean, so there's no reason for uh, there is reason for Craven to be upset, but the fact is, is Craven was dead. Yes, um, that would make more sense in terms of motivation on hating Kane. But uh, let's, yeah, let's. And there also, uh, besides those, we also have those uh, Spidey Sundays by uh, Stan Lee <sighs> and uh, Marcos Martin. Yeah, but again, those are have nothing to do with anything, so we're not going to talk about that. Other than to say they existed. Yeah, I mean, look, Marcos Martin is the closest I've seen. Don't make the Ditko comparison, don't you dare. I, I will, because, I mean, his style is very much using the type of perspective, and the influence is definitely Ditko-ish. I'm not saying it's as good as Ditko. I'm saying the way he draws Spider-Man and drew Spider-Man and did things with Spider-Man is very much in the vein of Ditko. Right, and well, my response whenever I see that is people that read uh, American superhero comics probably need to pick up a few more European comics, because right. that is not an uncommon soil. I know, but uh, you're... I, yes, I get it. You're a fan of, like, 2000 AD and Judge Dredd and all that well, shit. Well, no, those look nothing like this. I'm, I'm talking more about, like, um, some humanoids publishing stuff from, like... Yeah, but think about that. Think about it for a second. Artists Turn. like Javier Pulido and, and you know... Guys like that, but uh, but my point is, is that with Spider Man, when people yeah okay I when get people it. see his artwork, they are reminded of Ditko, much in the same way people were reminded of Ditko with Ron Friends. Um, I think Marcos Martin is a spiritual successor in that regard. Well, Ron Friends was deliberately invoking Ditko stuff, though. Yes. I don't... This is just how Marcos Martin draws. Yeah. If you've seen his work on, like, Captain America and stuff. Yeah, and and some of it's not good. I'll be honest. There's some... (laughs) There's some... There's that infamous panel during the Peter Peter Parker paparazzi arc when they brought in Mary Jane. Oh, good lord. I forgot about that with Paper Doll. Yeah. Oh, God, you're right. He did do that arc. Yeah, he did that arc, and I was like, oh, my God. Um, Mary Jane was terrible. We were all excited. Oh my God, Mary Jane! And then we're like, Oh God, Mary Jane! You no, no. You got excited stupidly. I was. I always like to remind you. They like to throw, pull the carrot in front of you, and then yank the yank the carrot yeah, and stick away. I so know. you nope. should be you should be used to that by now. Oh, I am by now. I mean, it's it's the monkey's <laughs> paw theory crap. I mean, freaking freaking slot did that. It's done that in the most recent arc. We're, we're recording this right before uh, eight hundred comes out, and I'm like, Oh God. It, I bring this up almost every time an argument like this comes up, but it, it's it's the same. It's Spider Girl being back in Spider Verse again. Hey, shouldn't you be happy that she's back? No, not if it's going to be done this poorly. I'd rather yeah. she just stayed gone. Yeah. 
Okay, anyway, we're, we're, we're dancing around enough. We have to cover uh, Grim Hunt now. I know. I'm going to run through the credits first, because this is brought to you by a small army of people. <laughs> this is absolutely true. This is written by Joe Kelly for all four parts, with Zeb Wells helping out on part three. Which is, I think, is Zeb Wells' last work on Spider-Man. Really? Hmm. Yeah. I, wouldn't I don't think he's done anything since. Hmm. And then you have... Uh, on Amazing, right? Because I think he did. Didn't he do... I swear he did something. Alright, anyway. Whatever. It doesn't matter. Uh, we have art by Mark, Michael Lark in all four parts. Uh, Stefano Godiano in all four parts. Mostly probably inking Michael Lark, if, knowing, if I know anything about it. Uh, Matt Southworth in parts two and four. Marco Cicchetto, yay, in parts three and four. And then uh, Brian... Uh, I don't know if it's thighs or thieves. I can't... I, I don't care. He just helped a little bit on part four. And then you had color by Matt Hollingsworth for all four parts. Dark, muddy, lousy colors, but we'll get into that. All right, so should I do a recap of all four parts, or do you want to do uh, okay? All right, so this is going to be a quick one then. Uh, so part one begins. We have uh, a craven-looking figure. It's Alyosha. Come on, there's, there's no, there's no suspense about this. He's visiting the. He's on the Craven office estate months ago, as the caption tells us, visiting the the grave of his bro- brother Vladimir. When he's approached by Sasha and Anna, uh, so she makes a proposal to him. I propose a different question to you, Alyosha. What if tombstones were no longer required for us? Neither the living Kravenovs, nor the ones who have already fallen. You know, setting up this whole thing. So today, not not like literally today, but today at the Central Park Zoo, you have, you have some animals, you know, doing crazy animal things like they usually do when things are all out of whack and spiritual mumbo-jumbo. Peter ha- is having a nightmare. Mostly related to gauntlet-related stuff. We see Splash Page, Mysterio, Rhino, Vomity Vulture. We got uh, uh, Rape Lizard, and we got uh, Electro with his uh, tattoo on his face. Oh, I think this is actually what we kind of talked a little bit about. Of Right, right. It's just a little splash to reestablish that... Uh, right, it's, it's not exactly that one, but it's yeah. a little splash just to reestablish what was going on at the time. So Peter has the uh, has the swine flu, and they say, oh yeah, swine flu. Yeah, that swine flu. Because, you know, we have to reference what's happening at the current time, and it looks really dated gears after the <sighs> fact. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's it's like the uh, reference, using the bed bugs in Spider Island. Yeah. Uh, I'm so happy I don't have bed bugs around here anymore. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Peter is sick with the swine flu, but there's a pounding at his door, Boom, 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 the sound effects say. And uh, he's, he's bitching about having to go open the door. Yeah, you know, go, go answer the door, Michelle, because this is when he was rooming with Michelle Gonzalez. <sighs> and he's like, oh, yeah, she's working like a real-life human being. <laughs> you know, because Peter's pathetic and he doesn't have a job. Yuck, get yuck, it. yuck, that pucker of luck. Yeah, they get it. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's Kane who's banging on the door. Kane! And he's, uh, <laughs> that's gotta be Kane. He, he looks terrible. Uh, he was, he looks, he's bloody looks horrible he's been beaten to a pulp it, it appears uh he also seems like he has two left hands if you look at the artwork it's terrible uh, <laughs> <laughs> so he's begging peter you know we're not the only spiders they're hunting spiders so of course peter has to uh drag kane into his apartment and also suit up to go do some spider-man action meanwhile julia carpenter is escaping from some uh explosions uh you know etc whether we want to call her Spider Woman or Arachne, take your pick. Spider Woman. She's still she's still wearing her original '80s costume at this point in the story. 
though by the end she won't be. We'll get into that. Uh, so, of course, Spidey manages to save her just as, like, uh, you know, she was about to plummet to her death. It turns out she's being hunted by Alyosha and Anna Craven. Uh, Alyosha's wearing a mask, because I don't recall him ever... Actually, you know what? He wore that, that Punisher story you referenced earlier. Right. And, uh, although I don't think Anna had worn a mask before this. No. She's wearing one here for no apparent reason. Uh, so anyway, there's a battle ensues. The only important thing to note during this battle is that the uh, the Cravens are talking about all sorts of mumbo-jumbo. They keep calling him Spider with a Y because we have to piss all over uh, J.M.D. Mateus' work, which seems to be the sole reason that Brand New Day existed. <laughs> yes, yes. We'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, uh, so anyway, during this fight... There's a really out-of-character moment for Spider-Man where he just sort of flips Alyosha off of a roof and Alyosha gets impaled on, like, a uh, like a pipe that's sticking out from a roof and Spider-Man doesn't seem to care that he may have just killed a man, <laughs> which is very out-of-character. Yeah. But anyway, throughout all, they managed to barely escape. Uh, we have a little interstitial scene with Kane looking in the mirror at his, uh, at his wounds and such and thinking to himself, hmm, hmm. So we cut to uh, Maddie Franklin's apartment, which is no longer occupied by Maddie Franklin, for, for reasons that we'll get into in a bit. She's already been, uh, they've escorted with her. Uh, yeah, so there's a whole bit where a bunch of spiders are crawling around, and Spidey's wondering, what the heck is going on here? When Ezekiel what? walks in, what the heck is he doing here? Right. Uh, as it turns out, it's, uh, well, I won't get there. We'll get there. Next issue. Uh, Ezekiel is kind of rotting, and he stinks, apparently, because he is still a corpse. <laughs> it looks pretty bad as it sounds. Uh, of course, Maddie Franklin and uh, Madam Webb have been kidnapped at this point, as we already right. covered in those, uh, those little lead-in stories. They were kidnapped during uh, Gauntlet and all that stuff. Yeah, going on, going on in the background. Meanwhile, uh, Sasha Kravenov has, has recruited a couple of faces. She has Electro and... <laughs> Of all people, Diablo, the Fantastic Four villain. Yeah. <laughs> that That's a weird one. I, I guess they, they realize they don't have any... Spider-Man doesn't really have any uh, alchemists in his... Uh, <laughs> his he gallery. appeared in a... I think a Bob Gale written book. I don't remember. I'll have to look. Bob Gale, good lord. Uh, so anyway, the whole point is you need she needs a serum from uh, Diablo, which he mentioned it was uh, very difficult to make. Use only three drops. Three each time. And so, uh, yeah, so she's ready to stab. So they give uh, uh, Maddie Franklin this. And then they have... Uh, Sasha's about to stab her with a dagger. And you have Electro kind of... you know, It's the Frankenstein thing. You need a lightning bolt. You need all sorts of things to go on. But whatever it is, they stab uh, Maddie, killing her. Maddie Franklin. How, how, how little we knew you. Her, her blood drains out into uh, onto a grave. And out comes... Vladimir Kravinov, a.k.a. the old Grim Hunter, was killed by Kane in uh, uh, Adjectiveless 50? No, that's when, he first, that's when he first appeared, but uh, yeah, it was during the Clone Saga he gets killed. Web off of by Death. Uh, yes, you're right, Web of Death. Yep. Except for some reason he's a wolfman. I don't know. As they point out, the reason it failed is because we have to use the blood of the spider. The one true spider. Hmm. A.K.A. not Ben Riley. <laughs> <laughs> so, on to part two, where, uh, basically, uh, we see Vladimir is uh, chewing on some bones. They don't ever, I don't think they ever come out and say it, but I think we're supposed to assume it's Maddie Franklin's bones. Yes. 
they're all talking about uh, how they're going to need to get some, some Spider-Man so they can complete the ceremony and bring Craven back to life. Uh, Ezekiel's given a whole lot of exposition about what the hell's going on, including a seemingly a retcon of Craven's last hunt. And I'll read you this, and you tell me if you think this is a retcon or if this is supposed to be the whole point of the story for 30 years, and I just missed the point. He says, The Animus, primal energies of the world, Sergei Kravenov, Craven the Hunter, as you called him, was connected to the spirit world in a profound way through dark magic. That connection drove him to madness, and the belief that the only way to truly beat you was to become you, after which he took his own life, the last hunt. I don't remember that whole dark magic connected to the spirit no. world part of the story. I thought he had just gone mad because he was so driven with purpose of having to kill Spider-Man. And the, He had the- accomplished everything he'd ever set out to do. Yes. The only thing he had ever not done was truly, completely defeat Spider-Man. And prove himself better. That's why he gets vermin Yes, and defeats Vermin because he points out Spider-Man never defeated Vermin by himself. He needed Captain America's help. Yes. Actually, more the other way around. It was Captain or whatever. Right. The point is, Captain America and Spider-Man teamed up to defeat Vermin. So he said, okay, he never beat Vermin by himself. I'm going to do that. I'm going to prove to be the superior Spider-Man, uh, to, to uh. use that terminology. <laughs> and then, after all that, prove himself superior to Spider-Man, which he did. His life no longer had any purpose. Blam. Yeah, that that whole, uh, I guess they've always tried to distance themselves from that aspect since, because they said it glorified suicide. It's one of the reasons why Soul of the Hunter was written. Right. According to uh, Marvel Age, I think. But anyway, so, uh, Ezekiel continues to talk about how there are more spiders, and how, uh, you know, they're, they're seeking out and destroying all of them, so you gotta keep going, get some more. Uh, Michelle Gonzalez comes home, and she sees uh, Peter shuffling out of the apartment real fast. Wait, Peter? No, not Peter. More on that later. So we get to uh, my favorite character, Anya Corazon, a.k.a. Anya. Uh, she's being chased by Vladimir, who I hope kills her. <laughs> Unfortunately, that doesn't happen. Uh, runs her into Anna, and basically Spider-Man has to come try to save the day. But, at the end of all of this, after much fighting, people getting stuff thrown in their faces. I don't really want to recap all of this, because it really is just a bunch of crap. Uh... Quote unquote Peter Parker that we saw earlier appears is actually Kane. Kane has shaved his face and cut his hair and somehow shrunk in size because now he's a duplicate of Peter Parker except for some vaguely inconsistent looking scars on his face, which literally change from panel to panel. Yes. And the idea being, like, you know, I was never a man before this, you know, blah, 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 you know. It's basically a bunch of angst. Uh, Peter Spider-Man punches him because he's like, "You're being a selfish prick." So he leaves. Uh, he leaves Kane to go continue his business. Uh, Ezekiel comes by, and he says, uh, "We need more spiders, and I know where to find two of the strongest: the twin monsters, Venom and Anti-Venom." And Spider-Man's like, "Seems legit. I'll follow you." Well, Ezekiel just leads him to where uh, all the Craven officers are waiting alongside Mysterio. Mysterio. <laughs> Who looks patently ridiculous in this story because uh, Michael Lark doesn't know how to draw him correctly. Yes. Uh, but, as it turns out, that wasn't Ezekiel. It was the chameleon. And I'll give him a hand. That was actually a good twist. Yes. Uh, so anyway, sp- basically they're going to hunt Spider-Man now through this graveyard that they have here. Uh, Spider-Man falls into an open grave because, you know, they're doing the obligatory. We'll give you a few minutes to uh, run off so we can chase you to make it fun. 
Uh, Spider-Man falls into an open grave. They start chasing after him. And then Spider-Man basically just comes and attacks him. Hmm? Uh, we don't see any more of that open grave business. We'll get to that later. Uh, he, he knocks out uh, Vladimir by <laughs> just horking a chunk of masonry at him. But then uh, Spider-Man gets shot from a rifle blast by Sasha, who says, This is the gun my husband killed himself with. No, it's not. We'll get to that. Uh, so she shoots Spider-Man again. He goes flying onto a rock. Uh, where Madam Web, in sight of Madam Web, you know, she's blind, but whatever. <laughs> I guess visual continuity, whatever the hell. So, uh, yeah, Spider-Man gets chunked around. They all start stabbing him. Uh, Alyosha takes him with the spear. Uh, Anna stabs him a couple times with a knife. He is dead as shit. Basically, he gets so his blood starts leaking down. He's on the ceremonial altar. His blood leaks down to Craven's grave, and Craven pops out of the grave. Craven the Hunter, you are reborn. So on to part three. Oh boy, isn't this just, isn't this just horrible? This one's gonna go by real fast. Basically, uh, animals continue to go crazy. Uh, you know, Sasha's giving Craven a bath. Basically. Fall, Philly and I don't know what the hell happened. The world has changed without you, etc. So, uh, yeah, they have Spider-Man now stabbed in the shoulders and by the feet. Totally not Jesus imagery, I guess, because his arms aren't, aren't spread. <laughs> I, I, I'm shocked they didn't do that. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, he's, he's I'm up pretty with, sure an editor might have said, maybe a little much. You know, to be perfectly honest with you, judging from the angle of this shot, I wouldn't be surprised if it was originally drawn that way and they made them redraw it. Yeah, but anyway, so uh, yeah, uh, Spider Man's now a trophy on uh, Craven's wall, and he's looking up. He says, uh, "It's that time. Show me my family." Uh, meanwhile, uh, uh, Spider Woman, Aranya, and the Madam Web are all just basically chained in a basement. Except they're not chained; they're just kind of sitting around. It's it's strange. Uh, I guess they're they can't leave because uh, you know Vladimir, aka Wolfman, whatever the hell is, is guarding it. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, Craven shows up, he starts to inspect uh, everybody, he he sniffs uh, Chameleon, he starts sniffing his daughter, realizes it's her, gives her a hug, etc. And uh, he's like, where's Vladimir? Where's Vladimir? Where is he? And they're just like, <laughs> tugging their collars, because they don't want to tell him exactly what happened. Well, Vladimir's had enough, so he decides he's just going to eat Arania. Yes, do it, do it! But no, he doesn't do it, because Craven jumps him from behind. <laughs> <laughs> No! Uh, he he defeats uh, he defeats him. He says, "You've no idea what you've done here, Sasha. None of this is right." Because Craven seems to be having uh, none of this uh, resurrection from the dead thing. We got a weird interstitial page just to remind you that Mary Jane's walking around with Harry. What were they living together at this point in the continuity? I think so. Something like that, you know, just to rub it in your face. Is basically she's not with Peter anymore, which seems to be the purpose of all her appearances in Brand. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Then you got a couple more things. You got a. a, a panel with uh, Nora Winters, basically like, boy, after all that whole lizard palooza last week, I need to get out of Manhattan, you know, making light of the uh, the whole uh, rape that was going on. <laughs> Shed, which I think CBR once called one of the top five Shut up, CBR, of, uh, fuck you. <laughs> Fireman in the oh. 2000s, something like that. I have no idea why, but that story seems to be well regarded among the fan base, and I just, I, to this day, it baffles me that people like this. Yeah, because it's a, it is the absolute shittiest fucking lizard story I've ever fucking read. Hold on, now we did read that story in clone in the Clone Saga. No, 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 no. <laughs> that was Citizen Kane compared to freaking Shed. 
No. Rosebud. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm just John. My wagon. Rosebud. Lizard serum. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so yeah, uh, Craven's sitting upon uh, his throne like Conan the Barbarian. He's getting. You know, while Crom, I've never prayed to you, Crom. <laughs> Crom. If you do not listen, then to hell with you. Oh, I love Conan the Barbarian. So anyway, uh, they're all kind of looking around. Craven's basically being very silent, uh, kind of just taking in the whole being alive again thing. I could swear his soul was at peace the last time we saw him. It's almost like the writer of this never read Soul of the Hunter. We'll get to that. Or blatantly ignored it, Joe Kelly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but anyway, so uh, Anna's begging him, like, what, why Why are you being like this, Papa? Why are you being like this? How old is she supposed to be? Because, like, she seems to, to just switch between being, like, sinister and then being, like, a small child. I would almost call it what their character trait's supposed to be, except that it seems to vary from issue to issue, so whatever. Uh, yeah, Craven flips out, and he jumps her, and then she stabs him. But this was his intention. He wanted to be killed, because he just didn't want to be living anymore. But, as it turns out, he's somehow unkillable. Uh, what have you done to me? The, give me the unlife, the eternal curse! Basically, uh, he, he walks up to the Spider-Man trophy tacked up on his wall, he sniffs it, realizes that's not Spider-Man, that's, uh, that's the other one, that's Kane. Oh dear. So, because they used the not-one-true-spider, that means that he, uh, he came back corrupted. Luckily, he didn't come back like a wolfman, like poor old Vladdy. But he did come back with the curse of being unable to be killed. Somehow they figure out that only Spider-Man can kill him. Yes. I don't know where that one came from, they just kind of pulled that out of their asses, but yeah... Uh, apparently only Spider-Man can kill him, otherwise he'll never be killed. Yeah. Uh, Spider-Man punches his way out of a grave. <laughs> you get it? You get it? Craven's last hunt? Get it? Uh, yeah, as it turns out, earlier when he was thrown in that open grave, uh, Kane came by, knocked his ass out, stole his costume, and then I guess he took the time to also bury him in there? Why was Spider-Man in the... I don't, I don't know. That this this is this is bad. So Spider Man gets to the Craven estate and he finds uh Kane, he finds Kane in a coffin with his arms crossed, all nice and neatly set up, and the black costume with a little post it note that says "Hunt me." So we get to part four, at last, in this uh, recap that's going on a little longer than I anticipated. Uh, J. Jonah Jameson's holding a press conference to talk about all the animals running around and all that nonsense. Because don't forget, uh, Jameson was the mayor of New York during this time. Continuity was so f***ed. Uh, so we get to uh, back to the Craven estate. Peter's looking at it. Uh, he rips down a, a painting of Craven, rips it up. Uh, he starts smashing things for absolutely no reason. Yeah! He yells, which I guess is supposed to be angsty, but why would you put Y-E-A-G-H? Yeah! Uh, yeah, it sounds like... you know, It sounds Maybe like he- uh, David Caruso had just said a one-liner or something. Lions and tigers and bears. Oh my. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> uh, so anyway, yeah. The um, only thing that that show was good for. <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you could say Kane was hanging around. Well, you know what? You know what else that show is good for? If you're somebody who specialized in tinting uh, shows to look orange, yes, <laughs> that was the most orange. The, the show Sherpa, on the Sherpa filter that that <laughs> like on on Instagram. That's who. Yeah, the creator of the Sherpa filter was that guy. 
And uh, I think CSI New York was blue, or was the original yes. CSI was blue. One of them was like green. It was weird. Why did they do that? Um, why do those shows even exist? They're terrible. So, so anyway, except the NCIS. Thank, thankfully, it came out of that, but whatever. I don't know how that show is still on the air. Mark Harmon wants it to be. Well, he doesn't have to. Really. He, he's doing this. Yeah, the you can't see Zach that... because this is an audio podcast. But yeah. he's doing the old uh, shooting bills at a stripper yeah. uh, little little gesture there. Not that we've ever done that because we're upstanding <clears throat> PG yeah. citizens. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, yeah. So Spider Man puts on the black suit that's sitting there, and uh, he swings off to uh, finally go chase these these bastards. So uh, Craven's sitting there preparing, giving ready to give them instructions on how to take care of Spider Man once he arrives. It's not really important, other than the fact that uh, we get a little, probably one of my favorite scenes in this entire thing, one of the only good ones, I think, which is basically that uh, Chameleon's like, why, what, I, no, I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> LOL, no. Because <laughs> the Chameleon is the only, well, Aliasha's kind of in on this, but they're basically the only two sane people in the story, apparently. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> Chameleon's like, no, this is terrible. <laughs> I, I'm actually going to read this little, this little, uh, sequence here because it's great so Aliasha says are you mad you can't leave now and uh, Chameleon says the hell I can't I play my part in Sasha's game and she changed the rules when she killed the wrong Spider-Man Aliasha says this isn't the game we are your family must have missed all the Christmas parties Ali Sasha paid me three million dollars to take part in this farce family ain't free then aren't you to keep Ali you've never been a drink the Kool-Aid type open your eyes Craven was mad when he shot himself and he didn't come back any better and, of course, Anna throws a knife to cut off this conversation here. Even though uh, Chameleon had a point. Uh, yeah, anyway. So, uh, back down to the basement, where uh, they actually now have their hands tied behind their backs. I don't know when that happened, but I guess it's when you change artists. Oh, when you, when you change artists repeatedly in the last parts of a story, continuity gets out the window. Yeah. So, anyway, uh, yeah, Sasha basically kicks the door down. She goes, to, she gets, she's mad at, uh, I was going to call her Aunt May, at Madame Webb for not seeing all this <laughs> stuff. She looks like Alt May with a blindfold. Yes. Yeah, so anyway, yeah, so she's like, ah, you, you're useless to me! And she, it's the strangest panel, because it looks like, uh, it looks like she sta- she's supposed to have stabbed Madame Web, but she did it with a swiping motion. Except that she's not even holding the knife in such a way that it would actually cut somebody. It, she just kind of went like, she's doing the old yo-ho, yo-ho kind of thing. Liar's life for me, Arr. It's weird, but anyway, somehow this kills, uh, or this has leaves Madame Web uh, mortally wounded. So, uh, yeah, now they're starting to chase around again, and uh, Chameleon's like, all right, the hell with this. So Spider-Man basically yanks him out the window with a web. He gets inside. Uh, he takes out uh, Vladimir, a.k.a. the Wolfman. He, uh, he, Alyosha takes a few shots at him, but somehow Spider-Man dodged bullets like this is the Matrix. So he webs up Alyosha, and now he basically just leaves Anna, who runs off screaming for her mother. Hmm, the tables have turned. She's the one screaming like a kid now. Uh, so... Uh, Sasha has a gun on Madame Web when uh, Craven shows up. He smacks her again. This story is full of domestic violence. <laughs> and then uh, I'll show you who's weak. And then you know, it actually turns out it was Spider Man because she was imagining that Craven was there. This is this is where the story starts getting really weird. So uh, yeah, he kicks her in the face and uh, you know, in the kicks, face he breaks the. I'm sorry, he didn't kick her in the face. He broke the gun as he as he kicked it. By the way, in this part of the story, the gun doesn't have a sniper scope on it, even though it did in the previous issue, <laughs> but whatever. <laughs> Continuity. Uh, Spider-Man says, uh, or uh, Julia Carpenter asks him, what are you going to do? And Spider-Man says, I'm going to kill Sasha Craven. Yeah, no, you won't, Spider-Man. Stop that. 
So uh, uh, Julia goes to uh, Madame Webb, who dies. Uh, she she says, uh, "You know, uh, let me. You have to stop him, Anya. Show him." And uh, you know, uh, Julia takes the Madame Webb's uh, blindfold off. Madame Webb's just looking at her. She's like, "Wait, weren't you blind?" And Madame Webb basically says, "Nope." No further explanation as to how Madame Webb can see, but whatever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I, she passes her powers on to uh, Julia Carpenter. Again, didn't know if she could do that. So uh, Spider-Man, show, and this is the controversial part of the story, I think, for a lot of people. Uh, he Spider-Man shows up. He grabs Sasha by the face. He kind of, he kind of like you know, face face palms her with her. Yeah. And then he, using his uh, his sticking powers, pulls his hand back and just rips the skin off of her face. Like a boss. It, it's it's like a, a broke version of the Mark of Cain, I guess. Yes! He specifically says, uh, by the way, my brother wanted me wanted to give you this. She goes, wait! And then, rip! So it pretty much confirms my theory, accidentally they did, about how the Mark of Cain works. Not only is it a burn, but it also is, since it's the adhesion powers, it also rips the skin to cause the scarring. You know... I always assume that because all of his powers are supposed to be an enhanced version of Spider-Man's powers, you know, the But I'm surprised how many people debated that with me. But though. no, what I'm surprised about is that even reading through the clone saga, we I don't did we ever find something that confirms that? No. It must have been in some kind of supplementary material or something. Cuz I could swear they confirmed that somewhere, but whatever. Uh so yeah, Craven's uh standing there and he starts giving a really strange speech. I'll read the theory real fast. It's four bubbles. Because this doesn't make any sense at all. Please explain to me. Loyalty even among mongrels. Inspirational but misguided child. Everything that happened here, your pain and suffering, was as I commanded it to be. I'm not doing the accent anymore, screw it. To harden you, Spider-Man. To forge you to something worthy of battling even Craven the Hunter. I came back from the dead to bag the ultimate prize, and it finally stands before me. What? <laughs> Uh, I came back from the dead to bag the ultimate prize? No, you didn't! Shut the f*** up, Raven! What, what is he saying? God! <laughs> also, wasn't he mad about being resurrected like five years yes! ago? <laughs> so anyway, yeah, so uh, there's a fight between uh, Spider-Man and Craven, And basically, it comes down to the usual nonsense where Spider-Man refuses to kill him, etc. Because I can't do it, because... I can't kill people because I'm a hero and blah, 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 blah. The story's over, basically. But wait! But wait! So Kane is dead. Kane is dead. We bury his ass. Are we at that page now? Yeah. We bury... All of the animals are just kind of sleeping in the streets, which is very hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. Kane Parker... Let me do this one. Let me jump in on this part. So, all right, we got... The new Madam Web. Mm-hmm. Hotter, sexier version of Madam Web. <laughs> it's a Madam Web from the new millennium. Yes. And then we got Aranya Girl. And we got Peter. We got Kane being buried in a pauper's grave. Can I mention, he has a tombstone that says Kane Parker in a potter's field. Yeah. The point of a potter's field is that there are no tombstones. It's where you throw bodies for poor people. They get thrown into, like, common graves. Yep. What? Yeah, LOL. So, Kane Parker, right? And then we're like, all right, he's dead. He's buried. You know, you're, you, you, how about you become Spider-Girl there, Anya? Huh? 
Hold on, hold on, hold on. I need to unzip so I can pee on the the real Spider Girl's grave, which had just been announced to be canceled like yeah. weeks earlier. Yeah. Uh. 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 Let's. Yeah. Come on, Spider Girl. Yeah, he calls her Spider Girl multiple times. So we have an email upcoming on Mayday Mondays. Um. Next. Next. Not next episode. Um. But the following episode that we record, or the next episode we record, and she laughed at how. We, you know, how we react to Aranya. Mm-hmm. This is why. <laughs> this story is the big. Uh, look, it was, it was always, you know, just suspicion. You know, yeah. it was just suspicion. It wasn't ever confirmed. They're like, no, no, no. Spider Girl is great. She exists in her own thing. This has nothing to do with Spider Girl. And then they come out with this nonsense. Yeah, let's, <laughs> let's put it back in the context for a second for people who don't remember. Uh, Spider Girl had just been canceled a couple months earlier? Yeah. It, I don't think it even, it even finished yet, right? No, At this it, point, it, they had just announced that it was going to end. Right. Uh, I think this was the time where it, be, it went from being a spectacular Spider Girl was... Become, went from being a a new series, new yeah. ongoing. It be, then suddenly it became part. I think after the third issue, it was uh, issue yeah. three of four. Yeah, you're remembering a little wrong. Um, it was going to reprint some of the digital strips, and they had announced. Uh, they just announced it was going to be a new series right. to reprint that stuff because uh, Spider-Man Family, uh, Web of Spider-Man, had just been canceled. Right. Right. Right, so they're like, all right, we're going to reprint all those Spider-Girl digital stories here. They never announced ahead of time that it was only going to be four issues. Right. So the first issue, I guess, got released to the digital subscribers. Right. That had, like, got it through, like, uh, whatever, like, Comixology or whatever. Yeah. Whatever was around at the time. And it said part one, number one of four on the cover. They're like, what the hell? So when pressed for comment, Marvel then announced that, the, that Spider-Girl was going to end... After the four issues of that that are going to reprint, I guess they're, they're just going to run off the rest of the digital strips. Right. And they're going to have a one-shot, basically, to close everything out, which eventually was released as Spider-Girl The End. So that, I don't think, had released by the time this story came out, or it just had come out. And this was right before that San Diego Comic-Con in 2010, where they announced Slot was becoming the regular writer Spider-Girl was going to have a new series. Aranya-Girl was going to have a new series called Spider-Girl. It was even worse than that. Because if you remember, this issue comes out. I wrote a review, on, I'll just say it, because I'm not going to be catty right now. I, I, I wrote a review for Crawl Space, which I was doing at the time. Right. This is one of the earliest stories I actually reviewed for them. And I mentioned multiple times through the text, this is basically like the like a crappy backdoor pilot for a Spider-Girl series. It felt like that. Right. L- like reading this. And sure enough, it leaked out the following day. Right. <laughs> before like before San Diego had, had started, it leaked out I guess through like a what was it like a wizard thing? No, probably. They weren't they were just still around at that point. Lying in the gutters? Oh no, something had leaked out, maybe a, an advanced solicit? Yeah. Something like that. Previews. Yeah, so yeah, I, yeah, I think it was previews. It leaked out that there was gonna, that Aranya was going to get a series called Spider Girl, and that's when all the, the Spider, the Mayday fans went uh, charitably could be described as going thermonuclear at that yeah, point. Yeah, people were pissed. because one thing happening without the other. Okay, you could write it off as coincidence. The timing of all of these things happening in quick succession made it look highly suspicious. Basically, yes. 
And they never have admitted to this, but basically they canceled Mayday series to make way for this nonsense that lasted, what, eight issues? Yeah. Which, okay, having read those eight issues myself, mm-hmm. I can honestly say it wasn't as bad as I was expecting. Um, but they should, I mean, Mayday's corpse wasn't even cold yet. You canceled your longest running female title to replace it with this not legacy character, legacy character that you tried to make into a legacy character. Who, by the way, had failed like two times previously. Right. She was supposed to be the the headliner of Amazing Fantasy. Then she had a mini series. And. She had an ongoing, too, that got canceled. Yeah, she had an ongoing. I mean, so, I mean, there was. And then she had a mini series, too. So, I mean, they tried desperately to get this character to work because it was created by Joe Casada because mm-hmm. she was Latino, Latina. Yeah, that was a part of his push at the time. It was around like 2004-ish. Yeah. Because I think between that and Daredevil Father, he was deliberately trying to push more. He didn't create Aranya, but he was heavy in its conception. Yes. Um, he was trying to push uh, getting more uh, Hispanic characters into comics. Right. A noble goal, I suppose, but the the heavy handedness with which he was executing this was uh, was just ridiculous. Yeah. So, so we're not even done with the issue. So, I mean, that was the the aside. So then, you know, they walk away and everything's all hunky dory. Then the next freaking page, <laughs> we zoom in on Kane's. No, no, no! You missed the Savage Land part. They're in the Savage Land. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, the the Craven and his family are. Right. So he decides it's time for another hunt. He he finally has enough of his wife and the ultimate bit of uh, domestic violence. He just finally snaps her neck. Yeah. Leaves her for dead. Uh, so Vladimir, or he stabs Vladimir in the neck and I guess kills him too. Right. He's bleeding out to a river. So already we're down to three. We've got Craven, Alyosha, and uh, Anna. And basically Alyosha's like, all right, enough of this nonsense. I'm out of here. She runs off and Craven says, go on. So she runs after uh Alyosha, presumably to kill him at some point. Yeah. Have you ever seen him again? No, he's dead. Okay, yeah, so she does eventually kill him. Then you get the uh, the backup, the part four of that Kane... Uh, so the second epilogue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, you get the backup story, you get the Spidey Sundays, and then Grim Hunt epilogue. The Grim Hunt epilogue, the very last page of the book. We zoom in, zoom in, zoom in, and suddenly... Peter Parker with eight eyes? <laughs> Rise, Tarantula. Oh, you've, Rise. Uh, you've undersold it. He has way more than eight eyes. <laughs> yeah. I'm ca- wait, see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Twelve eyes. Twelve eyes. Yeah, yeah. Rise, Tarantula. Rise. Kane has risen from the dead. Again. Again. And it won't be the last time. Yeah. Like, uh, so this, we didn't know it at the time of publish. Mm-hmm. This directly leads to that wonderful, fantastic one-shot called The Deadly Foes of Spider-Man during Spider-Island <laughs> that Joshua Latin-Bertoni, I think, burned in effigy. <laughs> right off the cover. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, this is all wrong. Everything yes. about this is Everything wrong. Everything was wrong. Um, all right, so... I'm going to go first. Please do. I've been talking for quite a while here. <sighs> this is s- such prison ass. 
<laughs> to, to, to take a line coined by, by our friend the, Kevin Cushing. Friend of the show, Kevin Cushing. See, see episode 19. This is straight up prison ass. There is no reason to do this story. We talked about how it undermines Soul of the Hunter. And it absolutely does. Yeah, a uh, little background. We would the first time we recorded this, I never, I never read Soul of the Hunter. Yeah, he, he, Zach never read this until I moved here and, and brought my my copy, which is autographed by Bob McLeod, by the way. Yay! Thanks, thanks, Bob. Uh, he had never read the story, although you you've probably witnessed me complain about how Grim Hunt contradicts this like a yes. dozen times, and me constantly harping on the fact that it's never been reprinted. And you finally you're like, all right, I got to read this now to see because Gerard has built this up enough, right? And you read it, and you loved it. Uh, yes, it was great. It's a great book. And if that, that story is ten times better than this story. To me, the only thing that this did was, A, introduce Anna. Well, you didn't even do that. You did that. Or, or, right, right, right. Or but but further, further advance and develop Anna. Bring back Craven because you wanted to. Not because it made sense storyline-wise. It's because this was the ultimate act of hubris. This was the exact thing that happened with Harry freaking Osborne. They brought it back Harry because they wanted to. That is, there's no other reason than, than to bring back them for this story. They brought back Harry, and then they come in and try to explain it. And, and admittedly, Dan Slott has admitted that this is one of his worst stories, which was that, that god-awful Multiman story to end the first freaking year of, of oh, Brand New yeah, Day. Oh, yeah, that whole uh, uh, thing with uh, Liz Osborne. Yes! And, like, like we, we waited a year and 36 issues for that. It's funny. Uh, well, I don't remember if it was an Amazing Family or if it was in Web, but uh, J.M.D. Mateus did a story. That was about uh, Peter's reaction to Harry coming back and all that stuff. Yeah, and it was basically it focused on the angle of them being old friends and basically Harry saying, "One day I'll explain all of this, but you know, not today, not today." And basically, it it focused more on the their almost brotherly relationship with one another. Right. I'm not selling this story very well, but it was really excellently done. It was. Far better done. There was a string of two or three issues of J.M.D. Mateus doing stories. He did one with Aunt May that was great. Yeah, he did. He did a couple of Ben Riley stories too. Yeah, he did a lot of good uh, stuff in that uh, in those side titles. At the right, time. Web of Spider Man, Spider Man Family. Mm-hmm. But again, the, this story uh, just serves the only purpose that it served is to bring back Craven. And the thing is, is that Craven served a purpose. You could have used Aliasha in this story. And been fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could have used Vladimir as the as the hunter to bring back and been fine. Craven works best when he's a ghost of of the past. He, Craven only was ever effective as a villain in Craven's last hunt. Yeah. There's a reason why when people talk about the how they like Craven as a character, that's the first story. That that's comes the up. first story that everybody talks about because again, it's like Gwen Stacy to me. Mm. Gwen Stacy is always going to be better off dead. It, it, Gwen Stacy is a different character in flashbacks than she ever was at the time. Uh, yeah, and I feel that Craven is too. He's presented as much more of a dangerous enemy than he ever. He never was. was. He was a joke. He was a guy in a fucking loincloth. Or uh, kettle pants. Yeah, one or the other. (laughs) I mean, he's a guy in leopard tights. 
Zach, you and I are both wrestling fans, and for anybody else in the in the listening audience who are wrestling fans, basically the equivalent of this is when you hear them talk about hot shotting a title. Yes, where they put a belt on somebody with no real plans on what their title reign is going to be like. You just kind of throw it on there for the for the moment of them winning the title mm-hmm. and bringing back Craven, bringing back Harry Osborne, bringing back to some extent, well, to less so Norman Osborne when they brought him back at the end of the Clone Saga. A lot of that time. They're doing that for the shock moment of this guy is back. And you got maybe one or two bullets in the chamber for ideas that you might have. But they them. didn't even use those bullets for either one! Right. After, I mean, I mean, at it's least not, it's not spoilers. The story is, is almost ten years old at this right. point. They didn't do a goddamn thing with Craven. No! The <laughs> next time we saw Craven was in Scarlet Spider! Actually, I think he was in a, in a web issue. What the f*** ever? I thought that was a flashback. The the point is, there's a bunch of random nonsense that they do with Craven, and with Anna, justify his return to this to this day. I don't think they've ever done anything with him of any significance. Even Dan Slott has admitted in like his most recent one of his most recent recent interviews. He said, "Look, I don't even like Craven's always been a character that I've loaned out to everybody else because in my head, in his head canon, he's still dead." Yeah, has he ever used Craven? No, in amazing story. Okay, and then there was three character. I mean, he said there was three characters that he didn't get to use all that much. One, he used Norman Osborn somewhat, but that he couldn't use it to the extent that he said he wanted to because Norman was always, you know, Avengering and stuff like that. Right. He said he really didn't get to use Carnage the way he wanted to because Carnage had been ripped in half. I don't know why you would want to use Carnage. It's right. an odd example. <laughs> And then the other one he said that he just didn't use because in his headcanon he's still dead is Craven. Right. Mainly because I don't think even Dan Slott wanted to be associated with this fucking story. <laughs> I don't, All right? I don't blame it. Oh, by the way, if Dan Slott doesn't want to be associated with your direct, that's some pretty bad direct. I, I, I mean, at, at what point they were so desperate for ideas and shock value and let's let's see if we can bring back this character. And then they do... And it's such a terrible... Look, you better bring your A-game. I thought that... um, Oh, what's his name? Marco Cicchetto. Marco Cicchetto is a great artist. I knew you were going with that. That's, uh, that's one of my only highlights of the story. I mean, I mean, but honestly, he he was done. He, he did. He was done a very disservice. I like Michael Lark as an artist. I think his his art fit the story tone. But you've got to have the right anchor with Michael Lark. We were talking uh, in this in this um, Grim Hunt Craven saga. We were looking at the pencils. Yeah, there are a couple of uh, pencil pages. It was specifically the pages where Kane is uh, crawled up to Peter's door to bang on it that yeah. I mentioned. Yeah, and and those actually, the pencil pages look far, far, far better than the actual finished product. Yeah, Gaudiano is a very heavy-handed inker. Yeah. So he's done a lot of inks on, I think, Lee Weeks as well, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I don't like his inks on that. I don't either. like his inks either. I mean, it, we've talked about how inkers make or break, a, make or break an artist. Um We've talked extensively on this show about about Sinkevich and Buscema mm-hmm. and how it just did not work. It, it's the same thing here. Michael Lark's artwork is far better than what we see here, but the colors and the inks really ruin it um, for me. Yeah, the colors are very muddy I and just, dark. And yeah. I, I get what they were going for with this story, but... Boy, it doesn't. It, it looks was. Bad. I mean, they're used. It's, they're a, it's to, a bad look for Spider-Man. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if they're going to do the story, he needed to be in the black suit the whole time. 
Yeah, but how do you do that? I agree. Mechanically, I agree. how do you do that? Yeah, I mean, um, it just, I get kind of taking some of these spiders off the board, but then you turn around three years later and you keep keep adding more, including Spider Island hashtag. Um, we oh, get, yeah, we're, we're, I mean, we, we talked about Kane coming back as the tarantula. Yeah. He was only that for that story. Yeah, I mean, he, he came back, he literally came back. To to be in, um, <laughs> he fell he fell into a pool of uh, of white man, of man cream. Yeah, Ooh. and then uh, <laughs> he emerged looking normal. Yeah, um, let's talk about the scars. I mean, then that's part. That's not necessarily Joe Kelly's fault. I mean, that was established that he didn't have suddenly didn't have the scars in uh, Guggenheim's arc that we covered. I think it's episode four. Who has been Riley arc? Um, but really, it, it, there's no reason. It doesn't make. I mean, you mentioned it. How Peter just physically speaking, he's not the same as Kane. Uh, I expected that a little bit more when they did the when they did the white goo dip. Do you have a copy of the Spider Man Encyclopedia? You do, right? I do. Uh, can you pull that out real fast? Yeah, I'll be right back. Because I remember the first time we recorded this, I looked it up to see what the size difference between Kane and Peter Parker is. It's not insignificant. <laughs> By the way, if you've never um, if you never owned this or never read it or never looked at it, it is freaking phenomenal. The guys at SpiderFan.org did a lot of work in this. Um, they had a whole series of them. This was volume four. Yes, and basically, it's everything you could possibly want. Every character. I mean, Joe Robbie Robinson has a a full page. The Rhino has a full page. Certain certain characters. Ben Riley has a full page. You know, I mean, everybody. Is in this book. I mean, even Red Skull 2 has an entry in this book. Yeah, the commie one. Yeah. All right, so I need uh, Peter Parker's height and weight. All right, so Peter Parker's height is... He's 5'10", I bet. 5'10". Yes. 165. Uh-huh. 5'10", 165. All right. Give me Kane. I'll give you Craven the Hunters right quick, just just for grins. Oh, sure, why not? 6'3", 240 mm-hmm. pounds. Ooh, beefy. He's a linebacker. Yeah. All right, give me Kane. Because this is, this is where the comedy comes from, folks. All right, Kane, who has a half page. Mm-hmm. Six foot four, <laughs> 250 pounds. Okay, so he is six inches taller and 85 pounds heavier than Peter Parker. Yes! Um, that's not an insignificant amount. Like, uh, how can Kane shave off his hair and beard and suddenly be mistaken for Peter Parker? That makes zero sense. And this is why, when we talk about the, the, uh, Kane should never, like, but see, they, because they assume he's a clone, because, uh, I mean, I'll look at this right quick. I'm, I'll, I'll pull up Ben Riley. Um... Ben Riley, I'm almost certain, is the same size as Peter Parker. But, uh... Yeah. It's not even a plot hole at that point. It's a plot crater. The story hinges on them mistaking... Yes! Mistaking Kane for Peter That's Parker. A twist! It doesn't make any sense at all. I mean, that that's where I, I feel like... Uh, Joe Kelly doesn't know what the hell he's doing. Well, okay, I mean... Because, I mean, at least even in that Who Has Been Riley arc, Kane is an imposing figure. Every other appearance with Kane, Kane is bigger. Kane was bigger at the beginning of the story when he's laying on the ground. But suddenly he shrinks six inches? That was a lot of hair, apparently. 
bullshit. <laughs> I mean, that was that was only one of Joe Kelly's problems in the story. We mentioned uh, the fact that no one in the Spider-Man office seems to be aware of the existence of Soul of the Hunter. But basically, the whole point of that story is Craven his desire to have his soul come to rest because it's essentially being trapped in limbo over his because he committed suicide. Right now, granted, it was written in, in direct response to uh, the fact that uh, Tom DeFalco thought that yes, in, in, in isolation, it, the that uh, the fifth part of Craven's Last Hunt was essentially glorifying suicide. Right by by saying that you know you can seek out an honorable death via suicide. Which which was shaky at best. So it, you know, they eventually commissioned a story for him to write a sequel and so right. But the the area that the sequel covers a lot of it is about not just Craven's soul coming to peace, but the idea that Spider Man would forgive him for what happened to him. Craven would accept that forgiveness, and essentially, Craven turned to Spider Man for a reason. It was because Spider Man was so closely associated with him, but also because he knew Spider Man was an honorable man and would possibly. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day. The whole point of Craven's last hunt was Craven, through his actions, was saying that Spider-Man was the better man, and he knew it. Yes, and he had to prove to himself that he could reach that ideal. Yeah, to be better than Spider-Man, if only for a shining moment, and then get out on while you're on top. Right. And Soul of the Hunter really firmly like drives home the idea. That he and Spider-Man, that, that he views Spider-Man with a, a strange kind of code of honor kind of thing. It's not really stated outright, right? but the idea that, um, how can I articulate And numerous ap- adaptations have acknowledged this very thing. Yes. Is that, yes, Spider-Man is his enemy, but he still views Spider-Man as, a, as an honorable man. Because at least he knows that Peter fights with a code. Mm-hmm. And he knows that... Peter's not going to break the code. That's what makes the, the whole thing about Craven's Last Hunt so shocking is that he's using tactics that he never used before. He never used a gun. Oh yeah, the the whole opening issue is great for this. Where where, where um, Spider Man has like two internal monologues going. He's like, uh, "What's that he's got in his hand there? Is that a rifle? What? Yeah, he's and he's saying, Craven, you've always wanted to was it? You always wanted to pound me into hamburger with your bare hands. What are you doing with that gun? Put it down. Yeah, and then Craven shoots him. He's like, "Whoa, okay, what what's going on here?" Right. And but I always come back to this. And then it goes back to Aliasha too. I mean, uh, there was the 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 first time that they finally came face to face. Aliasha's like, "Unlike my worthless father, I use real bullets." You know, mm-hmm. that issue drawn by uh Mike Diodato Jr. Right. Uh filling in for uh Luke Ross. Luke Ross. So, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where Pete, uh, this just takes a dump over Kane mm-hmm. because I mean obviously we, we've talked about the obvious just does not work but Kane comes across as nothing like Kane, the way Kane would no he's way too reactive in this yes. story Kane is, a, Kane is a badass he goes out he does Kane. he gets things done in this story it's all about him running away from a little girl right needing like getting beaten to a pulp and then basically realizing, oh well, I'm not really a man. I guess I have to sacrifice. They, they tried myself. to they tried to make him have all these self doubts that we see. We do see that in, and it makes sense in the sense of having the self doubt when he's trying to become a hero. Right, but we covered that territory a long ass time ago. Right. But in in this story, it's like he has self doubt because he 
somehow, some way, the Kravenovs are better than him? This is the same guy that literally killed one of the Kravenovs. Yeah. Which barely gets so much of an acknowledgement in this no, story. No, I mean, they don't even acknowledge that in this story at all. I, no, I think they may have referenced it once again. Yeah, but I the mean, point, I, But the point is, other than offhandedly referencing the fact that, that oh, yeah, I, by the way, Kane killed a. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, literally, Kane, Kane snuck up on a Craven the Hunter character and straight up broke his neck. Yep. Yep. Not really much of a problem in this story. Though. And had they, no problems doing it. No, that was the whole point of the Kane character at that point in continuity. Right. So, I mean, again, this is where we, I, I feel like this is why we had to cover this book, because some people are like, well, you go to the book. This is why, because it doesn't make sense from a Kane aspect, and we'll, we'll, let's kind of focus on, I'll zero in on that a little bit. This is Clone Saga Chronicles. So, Kane runs away, and I mentioned this earlier, runs away from a, from a 12, 13-year-old girl. Who looks like she's minimum 16 in the story. Yeah, so, suddenly she gets aged up. Yeah, for reasons. Mainly, I, I I honestly think that they 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 looked at Phil and they're like, mm, Phil, she's a little young, buddy. Let's 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 make her sixteen. I mean, well, well, the idea that she was twelve came from the the last page or whatever you saw, like right, what year she was. Or there was there was something age related that was in that original story in text somewhere. Yeah, almost like a little Easter egg. Yeah, I'm like whatever. Uh, I think it was also acknowledged in Swing Shift the the. Reprinting of the um, free comic book day issue and all right, that. Right, right, right. And they had all the backup stuff. But again, so 12, 16, whatever the hell, however the hell, old she is at this point, it doesn't matter. Kane is running away from a child. Yes. A man who has just killed Dr. Octopus. Who broke Dr. Octopus's neck. Boy, he likes breaking necks. It's like a Steven Seagal movie yeah. or something. I mean,. I mean, come on. I mean, this is a guy that not only is he's killed, but he's, a, he's an assassin. Yeah, when we first meet him in the Clone Saga, he's facing down an entire room full of mobsters. And he kills them. Straight up. Yeah. With his bare hands like, he, like it was nothing. Yeah. This is the same guy that, I mean, he, he's got a giant body count. Mm-hmm. And you're telling me that he's going to run away from a 13 to 16-year-old kid? That makes zero sense. And this goes back to one of my complaints about Dan Slott, for a second, has been that the plot is not... The plot is driving the characters, not the characters yes. driving the plot. And this is where uh, another egregious example of that happening, where the plot is driving these characters. Everybody is is reacting. You, you mentioned that he, Kane's very reactive in this book. I mean, for God's sake, he, he shows up bloodied on Peter's door. Now, if it was Norman Osborn... Mm-hmm. If it was, if it was Craven himself, I yeah. might understand that. Yeah, but not Anna effing Craven. Yep. Uh, it's just, and then of course the story ends with him turning into a tarantula, and that's another example of them just hot shotting a bunch of shit. Right. It's basically literally, because I, I, I honestly <laughs> think that they like Dan. You know, people are like, well, Dan's going to be taking over soon, and Dan's like, hey, I got this idea. Let's, you know, about Kane being in the tarantula and working with the jackal. And then they literally add that page at the very end of the book. Well, that doesn't even end up going anywhere because he just is that for that issue, that, that just, story. Just that one story. And then he gets pushed into the, uh, yeah. the milk pool. Or whatever. It, was liter- it literally c- comes across as Slot had a plan to make Kane into a hero and decided 
that they needed to add this epilogue page for reasons. See, again, you're ascribing even more than I would say. I don't even think there was a plan. I think this is another example of... I call it a... I guess you've never heard me refer to this before, but I call it Hickmaning, which is when... It's something that Jonathan Hickman does a lot, hence why I named it after him, where you come up with a like a just a quick, like, oh, wouldn't it be cool to see blank? Like, oh, oh, here's a shock moment. Craven the Hunter comes back, right? And then you've got basically you've got to build enough of a story to explain how that happens, why, and why we should care. But the problem is, writers like that don't think that far ahead. They're only thinking about the moment that they created and how cool they think it is. So they, they come up with a story around it that either doesn't make enough sense or doesn't justify what they did. And then they have no follow-up to it because it was just an idea that they had for a, like a moment right. or like a visual or something like that. I, I both Craven coming back and Kane the tarantula thing at the end both come across like somebody thought, oh man, what a shocking moment it would be if this happened, and then they never followed up on it because they had no ideas. Just hot shotting a bunch of nonsense. I see I wouldn't even have put that that page in the back of that of this issue. I would have waited a few issues, let it marinate for a minute. Yeah, the cane oh. is dead. And oh yeah, well yeah, we haven't even talked about that aspect of it. They 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 just blew it immediately. Where yeah. it's like, yeah. let it let it. You can even hint at it, like you know, a creature lurking around in the background a few times, or like you know, Spider Man saying something's wrong, and then going to Kane's grave and finding it's empty or something like and that. And then using know? that to lead off a Spider Island story. Yeah, they gave it away too fast. Right. The only time you do something like that is if you explicitly only did that for like a. Pl- I'm thinking of a specific example. There was an issue of Fantastic Four during the Wade run where uh, the Thing is killed at the end of a story, right? Right. And at the end of that very same issue, Reed Richards says, uh, he's talking on the phone with Sue, and he's like, oh, by the way, I'm going to go, I figured out a way to get uh, Ben back to life, and I'm going to go take care of that now. She's like, wait, what? The whole point of that is they had the story, and that was the following story is them going to heaven and retrieving Ben Grimm. So that was all done as part of a thing. They obviously didn't have that much planned. No! Kane, because... <laughs> I mean, it, God, it, God, when, Spider Island must have been over a year after this. Yes, and it's, let's be fair. Spider Island was made as a... Basically as a fill-in, because they wanted to do Ends of the Earth at that point, and um, start working towards Dying Wish. How about that? Hot-shotting even more nonsense. Yes. <laughs> and basically, Spider Island was written in a weekend. It sure seems that way yeah. if you read it. And poor Humberto Ramos, they they bring him. I mean, he that was some of the worst artwork he did on Amazing Spider-Man, mainly because he was suddenly told, "Hey, you got to do six issues like within a month." They did that to a lot of guys. I remember John Romita Jr. doing an interview yeah. talking about ASM six hundred like two weeks before it was going to be out, and he mentioned he still had fourteen more pages to do. Yeah, they kept adding pages and stuff. It's like the issue is out in two weeks. Which yeah. means it has to be completed at the it's printer in a week. It, well, and it's because and he still has to do fourteen. That means he has to do two pages a day, which is abnormally high of a page rate. I mean, I most mean, artists don't even do a full page a day, right? And you need this guy to like double or possibly triple the yeah, output. It was just to make the book out. That on time. was ridiculous. I mean, there's very few comic artists that can do. That, but the point is, at this point in his career, you really, you can't even do that because no. the, the art ended up suffering as a consequence. Oh yeah, the art was not very was was well below the the standard of a Ramita Junior book. But uh, it's also the nature of how these books are being written. 
I mean, they were being done out of order. You get a, you get this story, they get this story, but by doing it the way they do it, and even throughout the slot run, I think it also suffered from the fact that we're you're getting eighteen to twenty four issues a year. Oh, perfect example of this. Um, a few, a couple right before Shed, um, there was a three part story with the Juggernaut. Yeah, that was written by Roger Stern, and it was so blatantly an inventory story. Yeah, that they were just throwing out there to get because. For those of you who don't know, back in the eighties, they used to keep a, they used to call them inventory stories. You would have an extra story, usually just get like a you know kind of like a fill in, like a just artist or something like that that maybe you need to, you want to see what he can do. Right. So you give him a script, you just have him draw the script or whatever. Sometimes it's just you know getting somebody some pages so you could see so you could sample it, whatever. Right. The, and then they would just drop this, it. Into it was a pretty infamous during the Tom first Tom the Falcon Ron Friends' first uh, Spider Man run because right. it interrupted some narratives that got screwed up. Right, um, so basically they, they would throw it into, they call it the inventory draw, drawer, where they would just have completed stories to sit in there so that if the regular creative team needed a month off or if they were behind or something like that, or in the case of DeFalco and Friends, if uh, Jim Owsley was being a prick and interrupting your stories by micromanagement and throwing out nearly completed stories because he didn't like them, right. and so you had to have a fill-in immediately... You just open up the inventory drawer and you pull out a story, which is already and, complete. It doesn't fit anything that's going on. And, it's just a filling. Right, right. And, and literally, this was the only way that Wacker was able to keep the trains running on time because yes. he had various artists that were far slower than others. Guys like Phil Jimenez, who is infamous for not being able to do a monthly book. Yeah. Um, so that Juggernaut story that I just named, for example, is, a, is an inventory story he had laying around in case he needed a month and a half of content. Yeah. Or, or I guess a full month, because they're still doing three yeah, times a month Yeah, they're three times point. a month at that point. So he's like, all right, I got a month of books right there, solid. Okay, you can take care of that uh, Grim Hunt, or Shed, and then Grim Hunt, and, you know, et cetera. But, so the point I was trying to get to here is that things were so out of control, like, all right, we got to get it out, get it out, get it out. Quality control went out the window. Right. Keeping things in order went out the window. We're just throwing out inventory and, stories. And literally, We're throwing out... Uh oh, Bob Gale's writing this month. Well, write that one off because that's going to be crap. All right, just get, get Bob. Just get your stories out on time. We don't care how good they are. I mean, literally, it's one of those situations. I mean, this, they bring in Michael Lark, also another artist that's infamous for not being able to do a monthly book, and he was infamous for being a very slow artist. So mm-hmm. he needs a lot of lead time, and that's why you had so many artists in in this book. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zeb Wells is having to come in and, and help fill in. On a book that Joe Kelly should have easily taken care of, it, it, yep. it was organized chaos. I give Wacker the credit for getting the thirty-six issues out on time every single month. Well, hold on now, they didn't get every issue out on time, but on average they did. I mean, I, if it didn't ship that week, it shipped the next week. There were times where they would ship two issues a week. Yeah, I think the uh, the same week that uh, Part Four of Omit came out, or excuse me. Part four of Grim Hunt came out. Omit part one came out the same day. I think you have that backwards. I think the fourth part of Omit and the first part of Origin of Species. I thought it was the other way around. I thought Grim Hunt and... and no, no, I, I think Grim Hunt kind of came out on top. But the point is, something with Omit... I think it was Omit coming out a little yeah. late and then whatever. So, yeah. Yeah, it was. It was Omit part four and, uh, and Origin of Species part one came out the same week. Because I remember... <laughs> I remember at the time I was writing those reviews, I said, 
could this possibly be the worst day in Spider-Man history <laughs> based on quality of books that just came yeah, out today? Because yeah, two terrible. of the worst comics ever in uh, Spider-Man's history. Again, this was a very dark period for Spider-Man. This like four-month period was just terrible. You had Shed, then you have Grim Hunt, then you have Omit, then you have Origin of the Species, and you're like, God. And don't, and don't, don't forget, there's another thing around this time, too. Isn't this when they announced the Amazing Spider-Man? Yes, it was the same summer. It was... No. Yeah. No. Because it came out in 2012. They announced it, yes. This is 2010. Did they announce that? Yeah, they announced announced that officially that Spider-Man 4 was not happening. And that... They were going to do a reboot. They were going to do a reboot. And then... The following summer was 2011. That's when they did the teaser poster at San Diego Comic Con, and it was all over the Hard Rock Cafe, right across the street from the uh, from the convention center. That was the year I went. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they, they had announced they were going to be doing the Amazing Spider-Man movie. I mean, so this is a really a, a hallmark, and even casual fans say that those Amazing Spider-Man movies were shit. <laughs> like everybody's like, I love Emma Stone. And I'm like, yeah, Emma Stone was the best part of that movie. Him, him, her and Andrew Garfield. And that, but the rest of it was ass. It's strange, though, because it, it, it's all generational. Because if you're a, a person that, if you're a, like a kid, or I wouldn't say a kid, like a teenage kind of thing. Yeah. Where the Tobey Maguire movies were a little before your time. Right. Then this amazing Spider-Man is your Spider-Man. Oh, I agree. And, and you know, you, you see these kids on, oh, oh, oh Toby is terrible as Spider-Man. And I'll say, um, the first two Spider-Man films were as close to Lee Ditko as you could possibly get. Yeah, they're a little more Romita than Ditko. Yeah. Um, yes, everybody's like, oh, the costume. Okay. Think about the context. Mm-hmm. We had X-Men. We had Blade. Guys, we're only five years removed from nipple suit Batman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like, the fact that the Spider-Man costume actually looked somewhat like the Spider-Man costume. Forget about that. The fact that Spider-Man's costume was still red and blue was already a miracle, considering this is two years after X-Men. Yeah. Uh, So, I mean, it's just... uh, Context is key, and the fact that we live during that time, the site lived during that time, we remember how big of a freaking deal that we were finally getting a Spider-Man movie, and now we've gotten... Five of them since, plus two cameos and two major other... Whoa, whoa, whoa. Those are bigger than cameos. Well, okay. He was a supporting character. He was a supporting character in two other major movies in Captain America Civil War and now Infinity War. Out in theaters right now. Uh, As of the time of this recording, I don't know how fast Zach can edit this. Uh, how, how, Boy, aren't you just, don't you just have a bug in your ear to talk about those Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies? Wouldn't it be great to do some kind of episodes on those at some point? I don't know where we would do that, or when, or why even. Yeah, I know. Wouldn't it be great to do coverage of that? Just saying. Mm, yeah, well, I mean, this is kind of the this is still the flagship show, so I wouldn't I wouldn't put it past us. Yeah, I know. Like, uh, you know, especially maybe, if there was like a major site milestone or something coming. I know. Up. I know. Be, it would be kind of cool to do something along the lines of talking maybe about that. I really really hate clones episode. Mm, yeah, you could do that. Yeah, you know, there's all sorts of things that you could do. I mean, we're getting towards the end of this show. I mean, really. I mean, we've got the current Ben Riley book. We've got uh, one basic episode of the 90s show. Of the 90s show. The 90s stuff. 
mm-hmm. one, maybe two episodes left before Revelations. And because um, we've literally covered everything else. So to jump in right quick, uh, just to kind of give some context, there is some uh, going to be an episode where we're going to be covering some like the what ifs, the odds, the ends, the you know, kind of the one shots, anything that was related to the Clone Saga. I'll be covering that in a future solo episode. But uh, yeah, back to the show. So uh, outside of the 70s stuff, that's it. I mean, we cover the 70s stuff, I know, in episode one, but it really was just kind of doing what we're doing here. We're just glossing over a lot of stuff. It's not going through beat by beat, issue by issue. And, you know, I think there was a DC crossover, too, that we haven't talked about. Oh, yeah, that's right. So, um, I mean, there's uh, there's probably about five to ten episodes left of this show. Ah! <laughs> what did you just say? <laughs> I said five to ten episodes. <clears throat> oh! Right before we recorded this... I, I swear I should have made I should have had over like my my phone recording you saying this we had like two you said we had like two episodes okay I said we had two episodes <laughs> of the ninety stuff left before revelations you just turned into five to ten well because we got the seventy stuff we've got the special episodes ah! stop stop complaining you little my chest all right you know what we've been doing a lot of complaining and talking about negatives in this episode can I talk about a couple of things I actually like about this yeah story? all right. Because I'm looking down my thing. I have a several... I, I, what I usually do when I'm taking notes is I, I, I just stream of consciousness. I'll write a minus for something I don't like and I write what it is and I'll all put right, a plus. Let, go through your list real quick. Well, no, I'm not doing all the minuses because we covered a lot of that stuff. Although, uh, one big one that we kind of glossed at was the... This is the gun my husband killed himself with that really Yeah, no, that's off. a hunting rifle, you... She, she's holding a rifle with a scope when she said that. Uh, Craven did not have a scoped rifle no. to shoot himself with. No. And the, the the design of the stock is slightly different, too. Yeah, it was it was a... I think it was a shotgun. It wasn't a hunting rifle. It was a rifle. It was definitely a rifle. Okay, so in... in it was a rifle, but it was not. it did not have a scope. No. Absolutely did not have a scope. Yeah, of course. well, I mean, it's not like it's one of the most famous pages in Spider-Man's history or anything like that. Right. But anyway, all right, I, I, I promised some positives. Uh, I did like the twist with Ezekiel. Yes, that was very well done. I remember when reading that in the in the as it was coming out, I, I was very pleased of how they effectively used Ezekiel and with Chameleon and stuff like that. My only problem with that is, is how the hell do they know about Ezekiel? Well, beyond that, they they even they know Maddie Franklin by name. They never call her Spider Woman. Yeah, point. they just call her Maddie Franklin. It's like, yeah. how, how do you know who she is? Yeah, stop it. I'm trying to say positive. Uh, another positive. I like that uh, Alyosha to a lesser extent, but primarily the chameleon Dimitri is like they're like the only sane people in this story. Yes. Dimitri in particular makes several attempts to leave. Yeah. And at one point, he he asked the the million dollar question that the comic never really attempts to answer, which is that. Um, he, Craven did shoot himself. He didn't want to live. Right. Bringing him back to life is essentially going against his, his own explicit wishes. And they never really make an attempt it, to explain it, that. No, it, it's, it's, because, it's because it's logical. It's a logical question. But even worse than that, I read the whole speech that Craven gives right before he fights Spider-Man. He's talking about how he came back from the dead because he wants to it's fight. It's like Sp- he's trying to self-justify his family bringing him back to life in that point. But it's so awkwardly done that you're thinking wait craven didn't want he wanted to die he was at peace somewhat with the fact that he had defeated his enemy he was superior to his enemy he had defeated him psychologically and emotionally and mentally and physically but then he realized that he still needed that enemy in order to put his soul at peace 
Which, in a sense, actually proved that he wasn't superior. Right. But he was okay with that. Right. Because the last time we see him in Soul of the Hunter, he and Spider-Man are literally hugging each other. Yeah. And he basically has tears in his eyes. Thank you, Spider-Man. Thank you. For, for finally, for finally, let, I could finally be released into... Yes. And his soul next, just kind of just yeah. passes on to whatever the next challenge is. Yeah. To the afterlife. Right. So, obviously, <laughs> someone in the office was looking around at some point and said... You know, we never really explained this whole Craven wanting to be back from the dead thing. Eh, we'll just explain it away with a line. We'll just have him give a villain speech at the end. Even though it makes no sense. No sense. Alright, stop it. I'm trying to say positives. Uh, another... Uh, I only have two more pluses here. Marco Cicciato's artwork. I love Marco Cicciato as an artist. Yeah, but he he was done a very big disservice in this book. I'm sorry. I, yeah. I know I keep turning everything negative, but it really was not. He he should have done the entire series. Yeah, I think it would have benefited. From, I think the from, biggest shot that he's had at Marvel is when they gave him that Punisher book. God, and I heard it was. It started out so well, yeah. And then it just the vomiting vulture shows up at some point. I'm just like, oh no, yeah, brand new verse. And then they and. The, well, I mean, that was the, the point where the office, the Spider-Man office, was to hold handling Punisher and Daredevil. Yeah, and it was infamous because they would hold, uh, like, they would have panels at conventions where they talk about Spider-Man for five minutes and they start talking about Daredevil and the San Punisher. San Diego Comic Con 2011. And, and, and like Ms. Marvel, everybody's like, "What are you doing?" This is a Spider-Man I, I, panel. I, I joked, I joked that the Spider-Man panel basically became that um, Steve Wacker edits panel. Basically. I mean, the, the year you went to San Diego, wasn't that the year Dan Slott didn't even bother to show up? No, he phoned it in, literally. Yeah, so it's like, you know. When I say he phoned it in, he literally was on the phone talking to everybody at the panel. Yeah. Because like, he was busy. It, it, no, he didn't just, no, that was the following year. I'm sorry. He did a video because since Dan is infamous for being a slow writer, suddenly he's going to be able to handle two books. <laughs> hmm. Oh yeah, that's right. Because one Silver Surfer also part of their yeah. office. Yeah. I don't know. I just remember at the time that Punisher book was full of brand new day crap, like the Vomiting Vulture. Of Nora, course. Nora Winters. Yeah. Uh, I think Michelle Gonzalez. I heard that was probably the best use of Nora Winters. Uh, it's like, hey, she let's... Was, no, you know why? Because she was actually a serious character in that book. Yeah, she wasn't just, hey, I'm going to be the racist caricature. Oh my Only God. Joe Kelly can write Nora Winters and make her racist, and that's funny. <laughs> God Almighty. Oh God. But yeah, yeah, she was actually like a trying to make a serious attempt to be like a reporter and like yeah. actually do a good job of that. It's like it was a different character entirely. Yeah, you go. Almost yeah. as if Steve Wacker doesn't have control of the writers that he has. Mm. They're all doing their own nonsense. Anyway, yeah. man, I'm trying to do positives here. All right, and then I got another one here, which is uh, even though this got contradicted at the end of the book, Craven's reluctance upon his own return, or as, Cra as Chameleon said, "How do you know you wanted to come back?" There, there's a lot of reluctance on the part of Craven, especially in issue three mm -hmm. of the or issue three in issue six thirty six, yeah, third part of the story where he's just kind of having moments of reflection. The only problem is we don't get any monologue of that reflection. We just right. get him to stay, sitting and staring off into space. It would have been nice to know what he was thinking in those moments. Yeah, and, and then and then we get to the the end of the story, and then suddenly Cra Craven realizes that Kane is alive, mm -hmm. and like. And then they, he goes after Kane and hunts down Kane. It's like, and I think he's made an appearance in Venom, but largely he's just a. All right, look, I, I made this argument on Spectacular Radio that Craven is essentially Spider-Man's greatest jobber, right? Yeah, he, his function was to be beaten by Spider-Man. The only story where he succeeds is Craven's Last Hunt. 
Right. But that's the one that sticks in everybody's brain because it's such a great story and it's been reprinted a million times. Yes. But it's seemingly every two to three years they reprint this thing. Yeah. And some sort of some sort of they have trade. they've they've had premier hardcovers, they've had regular trades, they did that epic collection, which I just found out about because I didn't realize it existed and I just ordered a copy of it like an hour ago. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like they reprint this a million times. Never with Soul of the Hunter, which still pisses me off. Damn it, reprint that story. It's so easy. It's only 48 pages. But when you bring Craven back, all he's done since is going back to being a jobber again. <laughs> he's been beaten by Kane. He's been beaten by uh, Aranya Girl. He's been beaten by, uh, you just mentioned one that I just forgot, <laughs> Venom. Uh-huh. He's, been be- he's been beaten by everybody. Because what other function does he have? He literally, again, you diminish the legacy of that story. By bringing him back to life. You've diminished the legacy if, of Spectacular 200. You've diminished the legacy of Amazing Spider-Man number 400. You've yeah. diminished the legacy of Craven's Last Hunt. You've diminished the legacy of Amazing Spider-Man 122. You've diminished the legacy of Bucky's death, which is kind of a retcon, but still. You've diminished the... Le- just bang, 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 bang. We can't have anything else. Oh, well, of, the, of those m- that you've mentioned, at least there was a, an effective story to bring back Bucky. At least there was a well-done, well-written story when they brought back Bucky. At least with Norman Osborn, there was a very well-done era of Spider-Man where Norman owned the Bugle and was wanting to be... Norman Osborn was Peter Parker's greatest enemy. At least you had enough competency with those writers, Brutabaker and and DeMatteis, leading the charge... um, to actually take take the, the those toys that were brought back and actually use them and advance them with everything else it was we brought them back now deal with it yeah but even then bringing norman back you got what year and a half two years out of that before reboot yes brubaker's run using buggy <laughs> before it turned to crap was what Three years. Two, two years until the Civil War happened. And you've put Bucky in Captain America's role, which he never should have done. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, I, I, at least with Norman, there was the 25th anniversary issues of Volume 2 and uh, the Revenge of the Green Goblin story and, and the Death in the Family story. So, I mean, there was some good stories that were written with Norman. Obviously, the big exception being their final chapter. Right. Okay, that's that's fair. I, I mean, um, I'm still waiting for that great Harry Osborn story. There hasn't been. <laughs> I know that. That's what I'm saying. I, I mean, I mean, there really, literally, hasn't been, and it was like that one is even more baffling than Craven because that one didn't even have a story built around it. You no, just, they just, just brought that. There. But, well, they were going to bring back. They were going to bring back Gwen. Yeah. And everybody in the office was like, "No, you don't bring back Gwen." Oh, that's where they draw the line. <laughs> There's a line. Um. Damn it, we turned every one of my positives into a negative. I'm sorry, but it's, it's all you're filling the role that everybody claims that I fill. <laughs> no, but I, I'm literally, I mean, this is one of those stories that it's very hard for me to, there's no justification for its existence, and that's why I'm frustrated. If this story was better, would that have worked at least to get one good story out of this? Yes. But I don't think you. I don't even. Th- I don't even think you. You write this story to begin with. No, 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 no. If I'm if I'm the editor in charge of Spider-Man, and somebody comes to me and says, "I want to do a story where Craven comes back from the dead," the next words out of my mouth are, "You're fired." 
Because I don't want to hear that nonsense. You're, you're done. Yeah, or get out. Yeah. Go right. Go right. Uh, no. Go right. Next man. No. Get. get no. Get out. I mean, this. <laughs> this is. It, it's like I've had. I've had. A, I've had a jackal story percolating in my head for a long time. Um, I wouldn't have brought the jackal back for Spider Island. I definitely wouldn't brought the jackal in for freaking. I wouldn't have not done anything remotely close to clone conspiracy. Um, <laughs> Which is we called. Is the worst story we've ever covered on any of our podcasts. This a is truly very, impressive, Feet. Um, this is not too far away. Hey, this oh, is this is close. This is close because it's. I mean, I was I was really trying hard to find those those what five positives I just threw out. Yeah, which ultimately ended up leading into more negatives anyway. Yeah, <laughs> like this story is bad. So, the only reason... Okay, I guess we're, we should probably start wrapping yeah. this up. Getting to some letter grades and stuff. Um, the, I'm going to give this an F, right? Because it's bad. At the time that I first read this and reviewed it, I, I, I think I was a little more generous than that. Mm-hmm. But the context is important, because this is right after Shed, which is bottom of the barrel. Shed is worse than this. I, I thought that the first part, outside of Kane being a little bitch, was pretty good when it came out. I enjoyed it. That's because we didn't know where it was going. And more importantly, I think at the time we thought, okay, let's see what they do with Craven. Mm-hmm. The fact that they've since done nothing makes it much worse. We're, I mean, we're, we're, we're grading this now with the, hindsight. with hindsight, whereas before when we were grading this, it was as a part of an ongoing narrative. So we were, like you say, we were a lot more generous. I'm giving this an F. It's, it's a, it is, it, as a story, it fails because it doesn't make sense. Yeah, as a directive, it fails because it's not gone anywhere. Yeah, I mean that's that. Okay, well, okay, hold on. As it not gone anywhere, didn't do anything with Craven. In some roundabout, tangential way, it led to the Kane Scarlet Spider series. Yes, but, but you could have done that without the story. I mean, literally, if you would, if you had stopped that that Kane series at issue fifteen or sixteen. Which, in retrospect, I wish they had. Um, you'd have been fine. Mm-hmm. I, you, this story wouldn't have existed. Um, well, no, I mean, I, I felt like along it, the lines of having him be reborn into a different body and stuff like that—that right. that was kind of an important part of that series, right? And then just rediscovering his at life, least they down, at like least it. they try to do something with that in that story, yeah, and, and and tie those two characters together. And Yost kind of took the the toys that were broken in this story, this broken story, and tried to make another story out of it. I got to give Yost credit for that, yeah. But and it probably would have been a little disservice to not acknowledge it because of the fact that they're suddenly now intertwined. You had to, yeah, so it was obligatory. Um, but outside of that one story. There's nothing else to, to say about it. I mean, that's that's where this story was so bad it did not need to exist as a directive. And I'm sorry, but Yost wasn't great in that story. The artwork wasn't great in that story. I mean, we gave that I think a C at best. I don't even remember. I don't even remember what our grades were on that. Uh, it's been so long since we talked about it. But the key here being that Yost is a much better writer. Oh, Yost would have handled it a lot better, honestly. Uh, and Joe Kelly's a lot better writer than he is on this on this particular title. Yeah, he didn't have a good run on Spider-Man. No. And when people sit there and say, I want to see what Joe Kelly does, this is why I say no. Well, okay, in fairness, though, again... 
He's, I, don't, I don't think we got the best of any of those writers. No, we didn't get the best of Mark Wade. We didn't. It, it, okay, hold on. Let me take that back. We probably got the best of Bob Gale because he is pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they did give him that. Uh, was it that Peter Parker book later? Yeah, I've heard that his that his Back to the Future series is actually really good. But that's a, that's a creator owned series, basically. Yeah. You know, it's not. He's not writing a licensed character. He's writing the only characters that he's ever written well in exactly. his career. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, but hey, oh, actually, I take that back. Used cars was fine. Yeah. Whatever. Um, I, I just feel like that this was a a monumental failure, and it didn't need to exist. But I felt like we and let me as we get into the end of this. I mean, we needed to talk about it. We talked about it extensively on that episode with issues twenty. Uh, the final the final Yost book. Um. So I felt like we needed to at least acknowledge this and kind of go and give it a little bit of analysis. But I felt like it also gave us an opportunity to talk about Grim Hunt and Soul of the Hunter, or uh, Graves' Last Hunt and Soul of the Hunter, which is great, great books. Those are the books that you should pick up, not this one. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. The The only problem with getting Soul of the Hunter is that it's never been reprinted. So you're, you're essentially either stuck looking for the original printing, which I don't, I, I guess I should probably, this is a really quick story, but I found the, I didn't know it existed. Um, I had an old Craven's Last Hunt trade that mentioned it had a reprint of part of a uh, Marvel fanfare, Marvel tales, whatever the book was that uh, that was more, more like a magazine that had interviews and feature stories in it. They had a printing a reprinting of a little bit a section of that in the Craven's Last Hunt trade that I had, which is probably from like 1990 something like that. And uh, it mentions that there was a follow-up story. And for years, I, did, I thought it had never been published. And just randomly walking around the comic shop one day, I found Soul of the Hunter. And I'm like, what the heck is this? And I start flipping through it. And, uh, and I noticed it was, it was J.M.D. Mateus and Mike Zeck and Bob McClellan. I'm like, okay, now I need to read this. So I took it home, read it, and it was one of my, it's one of my favorite Spider-Man stories. And other than just the serendipity of finding it, which is like a one in a million shot. How would you get your hands on that? Is it on Comixology? Is it on Marvel? I don't know. Because it seems like they go out of their way to almost not acknowledge it exists. It would be so easy to reprint this one of the, the dozen of times they probably reprinted Craven's Last Hunt by now. Just throw it in. It's 48 pages. Just throw it in one of those trades. Why not? I mean, they released that epic collection... Which has a bunch of other tangential nonsense in there, but they didn't... I mean, for God's sake, Spider-Man vs. Wolverine is in that epic collection. You couldn't take that out and put... I mean, that's a, still a great story in itself, but you couldn't take that out and put Soul of the Hunter in there? Soul of the Hunter is not on Comicsology. I just checked. Of course. Of course it isn't. <sighs> Folks, I'm rarely ever going to say something like this. Pirate the book... <laughs> <laughs> you have to read this if you're a fan of Craven's Last Hunt it's required reading in my opinion okay it is six ninety nine. Uh it's a it's a paperback you can find it on Amazon it is available on Amazon but you you, you can you can go that that route um, be sure to put Soul the Hunter comic now the dead, there's going to be a Deadpool volume called Soul Hunter uh, they'll pull up, but yes, you can find it online. Seven bucks. It's well worth your time. It's a forty-eight page story. I mean, it, it's expensive for seven bucks, 
Because it is only like 48 pages. So people, it's, it's in that premiere format, you know, where it's got like the trade paperback kind of kind of binding and stuff like yeah. that. I think it's essential. You, you can find it for a little bit cheaper. I mean, there's a 499 copy, mm-hmm. there's a 349 copy, plus, you know, shipping. If you have Prime, it's free. Basically, um, you just instigated a race for people to rush to try to see who can get the cheapest copy. Pretty much. I mean, <laughs> the, uh, you know, it's it's... One of those things where if you if you, you find it, if you find it on Amazon, get it, get you a copy, get it sent to you. It's well worth your time. It's very well drawn, very well written. And and if you're a fan of Peter and Mary Jane's marriage, that's it's a very good Peter Mary Jane story, in a kind of roundabout way. Once you read it, you'll know what I'm talking about. You can also buy the uh, 30th anniversary card for 45 cents. <laughs> oh right, the one you mentioned earlier that lets you know that this existed. Oh, how about that? Yeah. So it's on there. Um, only one left in stock. Order now soon. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, so that's... I mean, it's one of those things where I, I feel like if you're if you're a fan of the book, uh, of, of that story, you understand it better. And I, I just feel like, pick it up. Um, you can get a... Um, for $74.99... You can get a CGC graded 9.4 Amazing Spider-Man's Old Hunter slabbed comic. Oh my god! Don't people don't buy slabbed comics. So don't um, ever do that. I uh, and I will double check. I I thought there was a, a Craven's Last Hunt omnibus. Yeah, I did a brief search, but I mean, if you if you swear it exists, I I trust you enough to think that you must be right. So with that, all right, let's uh. We'll do, we t- we kind of teased some, some future episodes, so next time here on Clone Saga Chronicles, we're going to be ca- talking about, um, we're going to be wrapping up, we've wrapped up Sensational uh, as a book before Revelations, we've wrapped up um, Spectacular as a book before Revelations, mm-hmm. so uh, we're going to be wrapping up Adjective of Spider-Man and finishing up Amazing Spider-Man um, before Revelations, so we're going to be covering uh, Amazing Spider-Man number 418, or 417, which is the last Judas Traveler story ever. Oh, dear Lord. We have uh, issues 73 and 74 of Adjective List, where um, we get more mafia, mob-inspired stories. Uh, excuse me, magia. Magia. You don't, <laughs> want, you don't want to have your finger end up in, a, in the mail somewhere. Exactly. Um, and uh, Which also will lead us to covering a Daredevil issue. Yeah, Daredevil uh, 358 um, is an issue that was in Epic Book number 5 of the clone saga trades um so we're we're gonna be wrapping up so it's basically the penultimate episode before revelations um of covering the 90s stuff uh got some odds and ends there's gonna be a uh probably at least another b-side uh covering the various one shots that came out during the clone saga and after uh, and after uh, x-men spider-man uh we're gonna yeah we'll cover x-men spider-man so that 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 will uh it'll be um Dead Man's Hand. Um, I'm, I've been debating on whether or not I'm going to do 101 Ways to End the Clone Saga. Because that may be our very last episode when we talk about the legacy of the Clone Saga. Um, so, uh, Dead Man's Hand and um, Issue 17 of Unlimited, which is a Mendel Strom story. Oh, Zach, you can't close out this show without covering Spider-Man Backlash. Spider-Man Backlash. <laughs> uh, I, I, I forgot about the image crossover. Uh, I'll probably talk a little bit about the Mendelstrom uh, Paul Jenkins story. Um, 
Oh, the one in Peter Parker. The Peter Parker Spider-Man story. Ah, yes. Um, so we'll cover Thor, that. Or he somehow backs up his entire memory bank to a floppy disk. Yeah, <laughs> which is great. Um, so we'll talk about a little bit more about Mendelstrom. Um, spoiler alert: he's in the he's in the Clone Saga. Um, maybe talk about the first appearance of Mendelstrom. Um, and kind of get into those details. So that'll be that'll be the B side episode. That'll be the last B side episode I do on the show. Don't you mean more Delstrom? <laughs> Is that what they called him in the uh, animated series? No, right. I thought it was Mendel. No, it was Mordell, I think. They changed his name. Whatever. I thought it was Mendelstrom. Um, anyway, we're, we're going to talk about we're going to talk about Strom. Pretty, I'm going to go through that pretty extensively. Um, so we'll talk about that. We'll talk about... So that's, that's the, that'll be the last B-side, because outside of the 70s stuff um, and the uh, DC versus Marvel crossover... Which I'm trying to get. There's a special guest I'm wanting to bring on for that episode, so I'm trying to get the uh, stars aligned correctly to get that done. Um, outside of that, I mean, we're pretty much we're very very close to being done. And then of course I'm debating on whether or not starting a new show, talking about the new Ben Riley stuff, or bringing in the new Ben Riley stuff to this show. Uh, I am be honest with you, as the time of this recording, I am shocked we're at issue 18. 18 issues there? Yeah. Huh. Uh, Peter David, actually, it's been up and down, but uh, been pretty consistently well, well written, at least. Um, I'm not a huge fan of the direction they took Ben, but uh, it's kind of cool to have a Ben Riley series on the shelves. It's, it's not selling well at all. I mean, at all. So if it gets to issue 25, I'll be shocked. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and again, there's, there's some good things and there's some bad things. I mean, it had Mark Bagley art and then Will Sliney's come in, but it's had some fill-in artists that are kind of, eh, and it has a really bad cover artist now. Um, really bad cover. I hate the covers. Well, that usually is a detriment to sales, I would yeah. think. Yeah, so, um, but it's been, it's been an overall an enjoyable book. I think I think Peter David has an okay grasp of, of Ben Riley. Um, not the, it's not the Ben Riley that I grew up with, or you grew up with, or the show's talked about extensively. It's it's a different Ben Riley. It's a guy saying he's Ben Riley and going from there. Um, we already covered why that was a bad idea when we did our clone conspiracy. Yeah, episode. but it, it's taken it's taken those cracked, rotten eggs of clone conspiracy and tried to make an omelet out of it. And it's been it's been okay. I mean, it's not been there's been some good issues and there's been some like oh god, there's been some bad issues. There's been some very meta issues too, which is kind of fun. Uh, <laughs> Peter David's not afraid to go meta on this. Um, what else? That's pretty much it. I mean, that's that's the rest of the show. Again, you're you're very good at saying that it's got that's not much left, and then as soon as you start talking about it, you realize it's way more than you thought. But I'll I'll tell you on on the Ben Riley on the new Ben Riley series, it's it, the first seven issues. You do this, you do that in a chunk because it's pretty much um very decompressed. That makes sense. I mean, the first seven issues, and you can knock those out in one or two, maybe maybe three episodes. So uh, there's a damn. Na- then of course, because it's a Peter David book, no Peter David book cannot be un- untouched by a damn crossover. <laughs> and so um, I'm still shuddering at the memories of the other. Yeah, poor Peter David. Uh, it, it, the dude just can't do a book without having a crossover with some sort of event, especially a Spider-Man book. In fairness, that's the name of the game. It's Spider-Man. You have to expect that. Yeah, but Damnation. Doctor Strange Damnation storyline. Wait, what? Yes. (laughs) Mephisto shows up. 
The one thing I will say about it is that Ben re- Ben and Kane react properly to it. Kane's like, "What the fuck are you doing? He's the devil." Hey, Peter. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, you got any more deals you want to make? Exactly. Uh, hey, I know a Parker. Ha <laughs> ha. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, there's there's a few episodes left. I'm I'm not sure I'm going to be bringing everybody on for the Ben Riley stuff. It may be a B side. Um, format it's not i won't call it the b-side but but you know what i mean it's 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 one of those things where i'll cover it in extent in some sort of extensive detail um we also have a new mayday mondays episode out or on the network Mm -hmm. another one in the hopper right now yep being edited uh as we as we're as we're speaking uh we'll have a few more episodes coming out i'm hoping to to have some announcements soon uh Got some more spectacular radio coming soon. Uh, we got to get with Greg and record some fan panels, uh, but we're getting ever so closer of wrapping that show up. Yeah, he, he's he's really on on our asses to get another couple of fan panels recorded because he's sitting on an interview. Yes, very uh, a very well done interview that I didn't get a chance to participate in. That's the first episode that I haven't actually participated in and been a part of. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm really excited to hear that that particular uh, interview. So uh, there is a fourth show that um, is coming soon to the network. Uh, it's a show that is a fan favorite. It's a show that uh, has some familiar voices. Um, but I don't want to say what it is yet because we're still working on ironing out the final details of how we're going to do it. So stay tuned on Spidey-Dude.com uh, for more updates. Be sure to like us on Facebook at Spidey Dude Radio Network. If you type that in, boom, it's going to pop up our Facebook page. If you go to uh, if you're the, if you're a Twitter user, you can go to S Dude Podcasts. S Dude Podcasts is the Twitter handle, formerly known as Crone Saga Chronic. Uh, our email address is Clone Chronicles gmail.com. Our voicemail line is 818-925-6631. It's 818-9-Clone-1. If you're leaving a voicemail, be sure to state what show you're leaving a voicemail for, because it's the entire voice it's the voicemail for the entire radio network. Also, leave a. Be sure to keep it within three minutes. If you happen to go over that three-minute time frame, uh, leave us another voicemail. We'll uh, we'll edit them all together on the show. So, with that, Gerard, you got any final thoughts? Grim Hunt is bad. Do not read Grim Hunt. <laughs> Craven's last hunt. Solve the hunter. Are good. Grim Hunt is good. Craven last hunt. Or excuse me. Grim Hunt not good. <laughs> not good at all. Craven last hunt. Very good. Read that. Um, we appreciate you guys listening. Uh, be sure to uh, leave us some feedback. You can also leave us a review on iTunes or Google Play. So, with that, we'll uh, see you next time here on the Spidey Radio Network. Bye.